I need some kind of visual on screen to uh, cue you visually that there's an yeah. edit at that point that needs to happen. Like if I hold yeah. up the Buffy record in front of the camera, that gives you something to scrub through and look for. And like, oh, there's yeah, I'm an do- edit point. I'm, I'm doing it with the clap at the moment. Well, that's that's the intro. But I'm saying if we ever need to edit something in the middle. Oh, okay. Um, we could have some kind of like visual cue, or I could even just cover my camera. And if you see a hand in front of the camera for a period of time, you know, like, oh uh, yeah. I mean, we typically don't, but yeah, if we needed to, yeah. For a while, um, I did experiment with putting the uh, trailers in. Um, yeah, yeah, and then you about. you got a small taste of like getting flagged and what a pain yeah. in the tuchus <laughs> that is. The, the funny thing about that was it wasn't for the trailer. It was because of the song that was in it. It was the Grease song. Yeah. Well, oh, um, my mic is still hot. Uh, the audio recognition software works a lot better than um, visual recognition scanners do right now. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. it's very easy to identify a waveform. And if it's oh, yeah. quieter or louder or quieter, it always mm-hmm. looks the same. But um, because of the way video compression works, um, images can get distorted and, you know, mm-hmm. compressed or blurry or fuzzy or drop frames or whatever it may yeah. be. Um, or you can screw with it so it doesn't get pick, picked up. I've seen people do that. Like, they yeah, can screw with which the, the image a little bit. I actually used to do. Why bother? There were <laughs> oh, okay. uh, episode guides on the channel in the first season or two that had flipped images in them mm-hmm. because I was dealing with copyright scanners and I was just searching around Google and looking for the information uh, yeah. about how do you avoid doing that or what do you do or whatever. Hmm. And the answer is at this point is just, especially with the cubicle farms of people that yeah. just sit there and scan and all of that. But anyway, <clears throat> hmm. Jack, that, Ian. that was a terrible <laughs> trip. Cold, cold open, yeah. Uh, <laughs> hello, friends. Welcome to Podcast of the Nerds. My name is Jack. I'm Ian. Jack, what are we doing today? Well, Ian, today on the Pop Podcast... <laughs> Smooth as butter. <laughs> <laughs> we're so good at this. Um, yeah. For anyone well, listening, Ian, we're uh, uh, we've been talking about uh switching host roles uh every yeah. other episode and midnight mass is kind of well, jack's baby so we thought all right jack yes. hosts well well here's the thing. i was your line i was waiting for you to deliver your line there <laughs> yeah what was it you gotta to do? roll with the punches baby you gotta improv <laughs> i didn't have the card open your partner was sucking you didn't, you didn't have the card open no what? i was just talking uh, okay well today on <laughs> podcast of the nerds <laughs> Uh, we're going to have a little chat about what we've been, been up to as you, usual, and then we're going to delve into one of my favorite pieces of art, Midnight Mass. Uh, then, we, then we're going to finish up with what is really, really the last reading of Here Is Gone by Terry B- Bodo. This Possibly time the last is actually the reading. last one. Possibly the last reading ever. Um, yeah. Possibly. We talked about that, but didn't really finish that conversation. No, because so, we were yeah. tired. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but, I, uh, I think yeah. that the one of the big takeaways of the season two of the podcast, which is what we've been calling this new foray, is yes, it's an experiment. 
We are experimenting. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And at the moment, uh, it, the the podcast had several forms originally. It was me seeing if I could speak off the cuff and improvisationally for 10 minutes. And then at that point, I started doing uh, the fanfic readings. And then you came on and the podcast became something different. And then even during our run together, the podcast became something different. And now here in season two, we have a new idea that we're playing around with and trying to have more of a, I wouldn't call it structured because there is a structure, but I tend to ignore it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. We always have a plan and and we go into an episode and it, Ends up playing out differently than we plan. Well, I mean, and that's, I think, the ideal way for it to happen. What what we do is mm-hmm. we create a structure that is a parachute if we need it. Mm-hmm. But if you don't yes. need if you don't need it, then um, I'd rather just sit here and have a conversation with my friend. You know, exactly. We we found that our favorite episodes are always ones where we sort of go with the flow and um, we sort of. Um, let it go where it goes but yeah we always we always have something to fall back on if need be well, yeah well i can speak for myself those those are my fa- favorite episodes yeah. um my mic still appears to be hot uh let you're, me turn it down at the you're s- hot thank you uh i'm gonna turn it down at the source you're gonna audio balance all of this anyway I am yeah so with the the new structure so for instance um we were talking about uh, and this is as good a time as any to kind of run through some of the considerations that we're working on. Um, yeah. You know, for instance, we thought it would be more fun to sort of, if we want, to, if one of us comes to the podcast with something to talk about or something we want to talk about or something personal, I'm all for it. I'm, I don't want to cut mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But the uh, the structure, the parachute in this case was to, have this sort of list of things we've been meaning to try or things we've been wanting to talk about or things we've been meaning to read or listen to or whatever, and then to sort of dive into those. Now we're running into the like, well, how do we do that exactly? And Mm -hmm. for instance, Midnight Mass is only seven episodes. Yes, yes. And so it's easy to get through, but God help us if we get to something that's like 22 episodes a season. It should be Um, easy to get through, but we don't want to do another... I don't want to do another three-hour review. So do we do this in two parts? Do we talk about every single episode? Do we do a big, broad, general review? I think we talked Mm. about big, broad, worked well for Stranger Things, Mm -hmm. but there's so many intricate details in Midnight Mass that you and I both love. well, that's the thing. We were supposed to record this yesterday, but we sat down and started piecing it t- together, and then it got really late, and we still ha- had like an hour left of scripting to to do, and then we were like, "Well, this isn't gonna work." This isn't. Today. This it's- isn't gonna work. Yeah, yeah. So the the takeaway of it is today's discussion may be a long one. Yes, and probably it, is going to be a long one. Yeah, we've I we've decided that if um it's going to go over two hours, then this discussion will be released in two different parts: a part one and a part mm-hmm. two. Um, and you know, but God help us when we do season one of Supernatural, you know, yeah, uh, because I don't want to do an episode by episode dissection of everything. I don't want to spend seven episodes on no, Midnight Mass, no. and, you know, and and. There's no point to that either. Um, 
that would make sense if we were doing something that was like purely ep episodic, but that's not television today. Well, television doesn't I mean, do that anymore. Lonnie does a wonderful job with the Sandman and, yeah. um, you know, uh, episode f for each of the MCU movies, and she did Buffy episode by episode. Um, but yeah, but they're, but that's yeah. a huge investment, and we're going to be sort of bouncing around uh, different topics. So anyway, the long and the short of it is. Work in progress is all we're saying. And in that format, um, I don't know where the fanfic reading fits because this show yeah. now is about you and I. And the fanfic reading was a personal performance kind of thing. Yeah, and, and it was also a bit, a bit of a buffer for, for you as well. And we're not specifically a Buffy podcast. So yeah. uh, we'll yeah. see where things go. But Jack, what have you been up to this week? Or news, well, news. Tell, tell me the news. News, news. Well, what's the news? What's the good news, my brother? No, wait, that's a different. Okay. Um. So, Ian, I've been trying to find somewhere to to move. Um. I want to get out of this. Yeah, place I want. I want you to get out of that place too. I've I've been here twelve years, and it's now sucking the life out out of me for lots of reasons that I'm not gonna go into. But if you've been watching us for a while. You already know some of them. Yeah. Um, but I've been spending hours and hours and hours look, looking through uh, real estate web websites for rent rentals and what whatnot um, to no avail. It seems like uh, every listing within my my price range is either too too small or it's up a flight flying the stairs. And as a wheelchair user, that's not very um, that's I tough. ideal. Um, but yeah, I'll push on. Pardon the uh, pun, but it's just becoming very uh frustrating and uh disheartening um yeah um in other news though i've uh joined the melbourne horror film society what's that uh, that's kind of what it says it says <laughs> on the tin really um, it's a society it's, a it's like a movie club it's it it's a movie club of uh horror fans um all organized by three no four lovely people uh Adam, um, David, Mel, and just a, a few other really, really lovely, lovely people. And we get together twi twice a month and watch a horror movie. Um, I, I think it, I'm going to request that we rename our Friday movie night the International Film Festival Society. <laughs> I'm freaking done. I'm, I'm, I'm tapping a gavel. It is done. I'm just saying that's quite um, the name, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. You know, during the pan pandemic, like everybody, I became very uh, isolated. And not only that, I sort of became a little complacent and I became a little just used to being by myself and not doing anything. And that's... Um, I think that was a, uh infection that a lot of us caught during the, mm, the thing. So I'm happy to it, hear you go getting out. Yeah. And even though it becomes sort of comfortable after a while, it... It, it's still mentally unhealthy. So um, I, I heard about this society through, through a friend and I was like, you know what? I'm going to stretch my social leg, legs a little bit and uh, go and meet these uh, pe people and hang out. And dude, it's been great. It, it's, it's been really, really fun. Um, 
last the last screening we watched uh, a, a really cheesy uh, slasher from from the eighties called Maniac Cop, which is exactly what it sounds. It sounds like there's this killer cop going around, and it's not a good good film, but it is hilarious and so, it is over Man- the top. Maniac Cop was actually in my Thin Deadline original script because oh! uh, it was potentially one of the inspirations for the Zombie Cop episode of Angel. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I remember that now. Uh, yeah, the, uh, that episode has kind of a '90s grindhouse horror film it feel does. to it, with Angel it Backspin does, yeah. kicking a cop's head off. Top that. Well, there's very much. There's lots of scenes like that in 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 the film. Just lots of like over over the top, gory shit that just is stupid, but also amazing. But you know, um, for the most part horror movie fans are like metalheads in that those on the outside wouldn't necessarily expect it but they tend to be very loving and kind people and um you know i i I rocked up alone for for my first first screening and i was kind of nervous i didn't know anyone there but everybody was so nice why do i feel like i'm hearing about my boy's first day of school (laughs) that's what it felt like but but instead of sitting in the corner by myself eating, eating a sandwich, I I had a pint of beer and I was talking to people and we were nerding out about horror films and stuff. It was it was really really fun and I'm really glad I did it. And when's the next one? Yeah. Uh, so the next one is towards the end the end of the month. I think last Saturday of the month. I think so in a couple of weeks. Um. I'm really excited. I forget. I think we're watching Demons, an Italian film from. It's an old Italian film called. Demons, I've heard of Demons. Demons yeah. Uh, yeah, only because I watch Red Letter Media stuff. Ah, oh, yeah. Okay. Well, Ian, enough about me. How How are you? What What have you been uh, up to? I miss my beard. So me there is a. Uh, how dare you? You're, spo- <laughs> you're supposed to lie to me and be like, "No, buddy, you look handsome. Don't worry about it." We- we already had this conversation. Let's just turn the bokeh on your camera. Up. Uh, so I took a uh, trip to California. My dad mm-hmm. uh, needed some support, and it was—I'm not going to get into it. It was—it um, was a very tough trip, very challenging, and it was uh, sort of confronting. Um, my dad's seventy-five, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it's a lot, right? So, yeah, it is. Uh, Lonnie, Lonnie, <laughs> Putting and I, it light, lightly. Lonnie and I were playing a game one time uh, <laughs> where we were sort of teasing each other by making fun of each other with some of each other's best qualities as though they <laughs> were terrible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I think I know where this is going. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I was like, and she says to me, uh, like, I, I, I teased her with her best quality and she teased me by saying like, I'm Ian. Life is miserable and full of suffering, but it's okay because it's making me a better person. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. And it's so spot on to, you know, my like, I mean, we're going to get into this a little bit with Midnight Mass, but like partly Mm -hmm. there's this uh, constant sense of existential dread that I deal with when I'm not working, when I'm not making things, when I'm not creative when i'm not with my friends so on and so forth um and you know reconnecting with my dad and he's 75 and 
not doing well and all of that was mm. uh, a lot. And he was living in a certain state of being and there were other factors to uh, the situation that made it uh, more grueling and it was physically exhausting and it beat me up and I lost six or seven pounds in two weeks while I was oh, there. That's, that's um, a lot in two, two weeks. Yeah, well, it, this started with the beard because uh, Lonnie read that um, COVID can just hang out in a beard. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. the moisture attaches to the beard. And yeah, the beard yeah. keeps it from dr- uh, drying out. So she asked me to shave the beard when I left. And the thing about... Uh, I did that at the beginning of the pan- pandemic. I shaved the, the whole thing off. Yeah, the thing about... that You are well aware of the stages of beard growth. Right. Oh yeah. As someone whose facial hair grows really, really slowly, I, I'm painfully aware. Mine of that. grows quickly, and I it's know. Still... Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you're 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 clean shaven, and then it looks like, you know, uh, you've had a couple of days, Pre- but you're fine. Boy. And then you kind of <laughs> look like you're on a bender, and then <laughs> and then you look like you. Well, it's like, boy, he's really letting himself go. And then you have your like. Under a bridge, drinking cough syrup phase of beard regrowth, which is kind of where I feel like I am right now. <laughs> and in a couple of days, I didn't, yeah. in a couple of days, people start going, "Oh, he looks distinguished." <laughs> it doesn't take long. Well, well, it takes me ages. It doesn't. But, uh, it doesn't take me yeah. that long. But I got back. Um, the weird thing about all of this is sort of dealing with my dad's um, state. And uh, the move and all the physical exhaustion and all of that. The whole time in my head, I'm thinking, and then I get home and get to write about reprise and the body. <laughs> hey, can I just quickly say, though, what you have on your face there at, at the moment, that'd take me like six months. For you, it's been like two weeks. Like, screw you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, 10 days. Yeah. <laughs> ten. There you go. Since Not even two, two weeks. Since I, I shaved and got on the plane. But I'm back. Mm-hmm. Um, I well, welcome back. I started working on Reprise a couple of days ago. I have a. Um, I think I have a good take. It's something that if you've, um, I've covered Reprise and Epiphany in other ways, not with episode guides uh, on the channel, mm-hmm. but with the Comic Con talks, and um, the top ten lists, and some of that's going to mm-hmm. be in the new stuff. So I'm trying to figure out a way of sort of acknowledging like you're a longtime fan of the channel then you may have heard some of this but like it's the perspective that i have on these stories of course yeah yeah yeah. um so diving into it and then of course there's just a lot of physical recovery and Mm -hmm. catching up and um mental stir that needs to settle a little bit and then jack i got in the mail something i reserved a year, oh, more than a year ago. Oh, <laughs> dun dun dun! <laughs> My Steam Wait, Deck. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Now, there's two types of Ian decisions. Yeah, right? yeah. There's a boat right. decision. Yes, and then there's a Steam Deck, and there's a pirate budget decision. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I yeah. think I managed to avoid making the Steam Deck either of those. It's uh. You know, a lot of times I I, I lie to myself or rationalize to myself a thing I want to get the thing. Like, Jack, the iPad Pro. I mean, can you? it's a pro, so I'll be able to write on it and I'll video edit and I'm going to do all my work on it and uh, all of this. And then there's a very sobering, you know, the first week of any new gadget is like, 
just mm. enjoying the lust. And then the shine starts to wear off and you go, oh, yeah, oh, I can't do well, that with an iPad Pro. Well, see, I was a little concerned because in the weeks leading up to you getting the Steam Deck, we were having those same conversations. Sure. So I could do this, I could do, but it was, do that. But it was different. It was different because in my head, uh, but I, I, I've been through this enough times with stuff that I said, this is a toy. This mm, is a Tinker is. toy. I'm buying yeah. this uh, to have fun and to tinker with. Um, it's a Linux machine. I've never messed around with Linux. Um, mm-hmm. I love the the uh, just the tinkery nature of getting like emulators running on it and and then getting other operating systems running on it and all of that. Like I just love the puzzle of technology mm-hmm. and troubleshooting and and all of that. But and I said. And when we had that conversation, I was like, yeah, I want to edit an episode guide on it. Not because it's a good idea. (laughs) That's the thing that had me concerned. Because I'm still not convinced you can do that. Yeah. But that's why I want to do it, is just to do it. Just to see. It's unreasonable and and stupid. And really. And that's why I want to do it. (laughs) But that's also why you bought it. You didn't need it, but you just you wanted to and right. you could so you but, did it but i was i was honest with myself about not needing it and so yeah i feel comfortable i feel like i'm i at 42 years old i'm finally maturing slightly <laughs> yeah yeah because um didn't you say that you bought the the uh tab s7 plus and then you returned it after like a week no so i have no. i i had a i'm kind of embarrassed talking about all the tech that uh i've churned <laughs> through I, I I had the whatever the Google the Google tablet was the Google Nexus tablet I think it was and then I had oh a, okay then I had the and I broke the Google tab the other thing is I am vicious with my tech if there is a I mean I am a the thing about you know like being a, a klutzy ADD type is mm-hmm. you really have to come to grips with sort of the serenity prayer when it comes to all the things you confront with it, right? Right. Except mm-hmm. the things I can't change and the wisdom to know the difference, right? And for <laughs> me, uh, damage uh, contracts and de- insurance on devices and all of that mm-hmm. exist for a reason. And for like yeah. 30 years of owning things and dropping them and cracking screens and doing all of this, mm-hmm. I went through intense periods of just self-hatred and frustration. God, why can't I mm. that changed none of it, right? It didn't change a thing about the the problem itself, which is that mm-hmm. I am a giant, I am very forgetful, and I'm very klutzy. So yeah. I've just come to accept that I'm gonna break things and I need mm. to get the protection waivers on them and I need to get the you know Apple Care and all of that. Mm. Because or mm-hmm. I don't buy it, because okay. you know. And with the Steam Deck, for instance, all of the parts to uh, 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 for the Steam Deck are available on iFixit. So if yeah. I break the screen, there's no um, insurance on it. There's no Apple Care. Yeah. If I break okay. the screen, though, I order another one off of iFixit and I fix right. it. I love fixing technology. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that's actually a fun part of it to me is the idea of opening mm-hmm. it up and taking it apart and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, doing all of that. So anyway, that was a lot of talk about Steam Deck and technology. Yeah. yeah. I, I, um, I never get insurance on, on my stuff mostly because 
it's an extra fee. I, I don't want to pay. I, I, I've already paid a lot for the device itself, but that's also a good reason to, to get, get insurance, I know. But weirdly, I'm pretty careful with my tech because I know if I break them, they're going to be I am, I impossible am to fix. Or, awful. Um, I've, and you know what? I've, I've owned a phone continuously since I was about 14. I've never cracked a screen until a couple of months ago <laughs> until a couple of months ago my phone here was sitting on on, on the edge of my kitchen bench ah. and my sister messaged me and it vibrated and fell off the uh, bench i was like oh it's fine i'll pick it up soon or whatever like an hour later i go there and pick up my phone and and it's cracked and i just my heart sank because i'm like i've had an unblemished record until now um not, and yeah. i still blame my sister for it i had years of See, it, it, for example, uh, I, I, I make it a personal policy to try and say yes anytime my friends ask me for a favor, right? Because okay. it, it rides to the airport, yeah. uh, moving, mm -hmm. yes. It is my policy to default to yes uh, under those kinds of things. But I've learned that I have to warn my friends. I say, okay, I will definitely help you move, mm -hmm. but you need to accept that there's like a 65% chance that a, an item of yours is going to be broken as a result of it. And if that trade-off is worth it to you, then I'm all there, baby. But you got to accept that. because I love the honesty there. A plate, it's a plate, it's a, a, a mirror, it's a something, but something, yep. uh, you know, uh, something gets eaten in the course of the move. And I just... I decades and decades of guilt without being able to fix the problem. It's like, it just is un it's, it's unhealthy. Right. Mm. So I, you know, right. I apologize. I, I, I feel it, but it's like, I just try and now externalize fixes to the problem, whether that's being upfront with, yeah, I'll definitely help you move. Uh, but... you should handle all the things you love <laughs> <laughs> and I will I like handle that. the boxes of toilet paper. You know, yeah, or or to get the the uh, the insurance waivers, but we should move on. Yeah, we should. Um, uh, it's good to be back. Let, it is good to be uh, back once more. It's been about a month now, right? And yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's yeah. been it's been a bit of time. Mm -hmm. uh, so before we get into the discussion of Midnight Mass, um, yep. we don't usually do this kind of thing, but uh, Midnight Mass is a show steeped in religious ideas. Um, mm -hmm. The ones in the show are specifically Catholic, but I think any discussion of the show um, engenders a broader discussion of religion and spirituality as it is. So Jack and I wanted to leave with, uh, he and I are both athe atheists and... Um, we wanted to mention in advance that, yes, we're both deeply aware that we have many personal biases, um, even if we're not always clear on what they are. So in the course of the discussion, if some of our biases step on your toes, apologies. Yeah, and, and we have our own perspectives and we can't remove ourselves from our perspectives. It, it's just, that's impossible. Yeah. That's dis dis disingenuous. Um, so Ian or already sort of uh, touched on it, but this is pretty much a test of, of, our, of our new for format here of what we're calling season two of Podcaster of the, the Nerds. And yeah, things are going to be a little exper uh, experimental and what, whatnot. But uh, 
Yeah, so we're going to um, so we're going to dive into Midnight Mass, and Mid- Midnight Mass is quite a, dif- a, dif- a difficult show to talk about without spoilers. However, most of the major spoil- spoilery stuff does, doesn't happen until the end of uh, episode two. So there's there's, there's a lot of setup and getting to know the uh, char- characters before that. So. We're going to start with a non-spoiler dis- discussion of the first two two episodes. Then we, we will give you a very loud and very clear uh, spoiler warning before we switch into spoilers and uh, the rest of the show. Yeah, I, w- I would, if I had to guess, I would guess that the version of the discussion that we're going to have today mm-hmm. will be the exception rather than the rule for how the podcast uh, will go. Yeah. I can't, I don't foresee us watching... A lot of stuff where we want to go into as much detail as we want to yeah. with Midnight Mass. Yeah, so the Stranger Things just, discussion will be a little bit yeah. more uh, common. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's because there's just so much going on in this show that sort of um, res- resonates with us in the way that we really want to talk talk about it. I guess. Um, but anyway, um, in so what, saying all of that, what is Midnight Mass, Jack? Well, Ian, let me start by saying there are three TV shows that are sacred to me, okay. um, for lack of a better word. Um, three shows that are precious to me because they've either, you know, they've they've changed my per- perspective on something, or they've affected me in pro- profound ways, or they've just sort of helped me grow as a person, you know? Um, mm. And those shows are, of course, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, yes, uh, The Good Place, and yes. Midnight Mass. Um, without being the slightest bit hyperbolic, Midnight Mass really is one of my favorite pieces of art ever. Um, but yeah, according to IMDb, Midnight Mass is the tale of a small, isolated island community whose existing divisions are amplified by the return of a disgraced young man and the arrival of a charismatic priest. But I'm not even sure that suffices as as a description. Yeah, <laughs> It's it's interesting. The show is not. The show feels twisty, right? Mm-hmm. The show yeah. feels twisty. I was thinking about this writing about uh, the review, uh, or rather, writing our notes for um, this episode. But unlike a lot of other content, where so I've watched this three times now. I watched this the first time with you, second time with Lonnie, and the third time on this trip with my dad. And um, I have to say my least favorite experience of it was the first time. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is because, and I think that's unusual because a lot of times twisty content is predicated on the twist. The twist is the content, right? So um, the twist is, it's the reveal, the wow, it's the I see dead people, it's the whatever it is. Right, and that's yeah. it's it becomes the most memorable part of that story or that movie or whatever. And honestly, yeah. once I got to rewatch the series without the twists, or, or rather, knowing yeah, in advance the, what the twists were, you can absorb it better. I notice sank other into the this rich tapestry mm-hmm. uh, uh, of what the show was doing, the storytelling, yeah. the. There is a boy. Is there a, a talk about allegory? There is an allegorical structure <laughs> yeah. 
to the show yeah. that is unprecedented. So fascinating. Um, but that first watch is kind of, you're kind of for at least three or four episodes caught up in the twistiness. Where's this going? What's yeah. going to happen? Where is this going? Yeah, because for me, it was very unexpected. I didn't expect it to go where it went the first, first yeah, time. Yeah, I so didn't either. Um, I was, I was sort not of easily surprised. A lot. Yeah. And so I just, um, but I had the same experience. The third, um, second and third watches, I was more like relaxed and I was able to absorb and see more of what it was trying to do. Yeah, but the thing of it is, so so leading into this discussion, we need to respect the twistiness of mm-hmm. it, but um, understand that I think that this, I agree with most everything that you've said, and I think that this is a show that begs for a rewatch, um, and the Absolutely. rewatch is the, um, for, was for me the greater experience, but we're going to really? try and respect the twistiness. Yes. So yes, we're gonna uh, essentially we believe that episodes one and two don't have our setup that don't have a lot yeah. of content that give and away not very spoilery. They yeah. don't give away the allegory. They don't give away what's actually happening, the mystery mm-hmm. of what's happening. And so yeah, we're gonna talk about those two episodes as the non-spoiler part of the discussion. Yeah, yeah. So without spoilers, um. For me, Midnight Mass is about people doing their their best, essentially. Um, it's about broken people trying to fix them themselves. It's about lost people trying to find their way. Fix themselves and, literally and figuratively. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. Um, and it's about people trying their, their best to do what they truly think is the right thing. Um, they may not be right, but they think it's right, and so they do what they think 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 is right um and it delves into concepts surrounding loss uh grief guilt and forgiveness of both oneself and forgiveness of other people um and obviously it explores religion but it explores it from both the religious perspective and the atheistic one and sort of the places that both of those philosophies can lead you to um, yeah, and the feature of that is a relationship in the story between Riley and Aaron. Um, yes. And that's sort of the the structure for those two perspectives. The nice thing about the show is that it feels less interested in the truth of either perspective as so much as it, as yeah. it, it does what those perspectives allow for the characters, what they mean to the characters. And I think that's really beautiful. A lot of times this could be, this could have been severely pretentious. uh, Yeah. It also could have been really. And it's neither. Yes. Yes. Um, And it could have been really um, anti-religion, but it's not. I I, I don't think. Um, I think that it, I think that you could come away from it believing that it was anti-religious but i think that yeah. there are uh and i have it in my notes when we get later into the discussion i think that there are specific points that it, it, it is maybe it's it's about people it's about individuals yeah. and yes. and what they do with their perspectives and i yes, i don't absolutely. think that that is specifically about religion 
one of the perspectives is a religious one, but yeah. Yeah. And it's also like, um, it's not just about religion though, too. It explores alcoholism. Um, it explores all all these other things. And the religious aspect is almost like a, it's an important part of the show, but it's not all, all that it is. And it, it's certainly, it's not, it's not just a backdrop, but I think it's, um, it's there, there's, there's so much more to it than that. I, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, yeah, there's a, I, the word tapestry was never more <laughs> apropos. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, I've watched it three, three times now and each time I, I've gotten a different thing from it. And, but with each watch, I found a deeper love and, and appreciation for what it does. Um, and I, I can sit, I consider myself a Mike Flanagan fan after after I saw Doctor Sleep and Hush and Haunting of Hill House, but it was after seeing Mid- Midnight Mass that he became one of my most favorite directors, and I might even say that he's my f- favorite director. Um, as a horror fan, no one does horror quite like Mike Flan- Flanagan, and no one has done horror like him before. Not that I've seen, anyway. He he juxtaposes two two tones that seem to be at complete opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah, like, and boy is there a particular scene in mm. this in this show that you could call it the Mike Flanagan scene. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to say anything of what it is, but the <laughs> juxtaposition of extreme pathos yeah with bone-chilling horror is unlike yeah anything i've ever seen that's that is a scene i will remember for the rest of my life yeah um and both work that's what i mean like that is the thing that is remarkable is they are incredible they are not dissonant i mean in the span Mm. of three seconds the tone flips one way to the other yeah and they harmonize together somehow even though you would believe that that couldn't happen yes on paper, it shouldn't work, right. but it does. Yeah. It does. And we'll get Mike more specific Flanagan, uh, later on. Yeah. Mike Flanagan will scare the shit out of you, but then leave you feeling like hopeful five minutes later whilst also bawling your eyes out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's, yeah. Uh, we're going to start with the non uh, spoiler discussion of mm-hmm. books one and two. Um, so the, the there are seven episodes of the show, and they are named after. Um, books, books of the Bible, of the Bible. Mm-hmm. and book one is called Genesis the IMDB summary is uh, Riley Finn returns home to family dysfunction uh, familiar faces and a new priest at St. Patrick's elsewhere on the island a dark storm is brewing I've been working on my audible uh, auditions mm-hmm. for uh, book readings and book two is Psalms an unsettling omen washes ashore in the wake of a storm later the locals gather for a potluck tragedy strikes mm-hmm. and a miracle occurs um and so <laughs> the first two episodes are the slowest of burns other than the first mm-hmm. scene i would say the first two scenes of episode one uh the first two episodes like and we say slow burn deliberately slow burn uh, uh also I feel like a lot of times when people say slow burn, there's a there's a there's like a pejorative overtone or undertone mm-hmm. to 
to the term, but the term exists because we're we're not saying boring, right? No, um, no, no. The, so much as methodical, like a, th- a thing doesn't have to be high action and high dialogue to be sort of entrancing, to weave a spell. And I think that mm-hmm. the first um, mm-hmm. two episodes, while introducing character after character after character, weave this spell of um, this island and this small town and all that. Um, but the very first scene introduces the protagonist, Riley. Uh, Riley's drunk, handcuffed at a car wreck, where he has hit... Now, uh, again, this sounds spoilery. This is the first scene this is in the, first, the scene. first episode. Literal first scene, okay? yeah. yeah. Um, Riley's drunk, handcuffed at a car wreck, where he has hit and killed a woman. Um, mm-hmm. And we see in sort of a montage, as he is locked up, uh, goes to jail, the first thing his mother sends him is a Bible. Uh, yeah. Then he returns home, but periodically we see him haunted by the gaze of the woman he killed. And those sequences mm. are him, uh, he lays down in bed, and the camera pivots slowly. slowly and this yeah. dread, uh, the, it's so, talk about visual storytelling. It's so mm. well put together because as this reoccurs you feel the dread that riley feels of night the the next sleepless night uh, coming and he opens his eyes and he sees a vision of the woman he killed standing in front of him mangled mangled and and uh, she has like bits of glass in her face and yeah yeah. and he can't Um, sleep yeah the only the one aspect i i feel about that is is unnecessary every time we get the uh, cut turn the girl there's this like crash in 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 the score that i get that it's to wake you up and feel like jarring and whatnot but i don't feel like that's necessary i don't know yeah i have i i I, it feels like a jump scare too much i I have a handful of what i call inconsequential complaints yes that's the thing it doesn't matter like right it yeah it's so darn good that Absolutely every negative thing that I will say during our discussion should be taken with it should be thrown out the window, really. But I almost feel like it's due diligence to just mention. Well, yeah, because I've I don't really have anything negative to say about the show that matters. Everything is just a nitpick. Like Yeah. But but for the sake of trying to not sit in here and gush for two hours, you know, like I with the when it comes to new tv shows your stranger things your like almost purely serialized shows uh, specifically in the horror genre it feels like the it there is an aspect of it that is at war with itself in that it isn't episodic but every episode of the show feels compelled to be to represent its horrorness right mm-hmm. and in the first two episodes that are such slow burns, there are one or two cuts or details or what have you that feel like they purely exist to remind people this is a horror show. Yes. yes. Because what it is is a seven-hour movie where the... that builds constantly to the, the... uh, almost constantly to its climax. 
And yep. but for the first two episodes, that would be there's not a lot going on, right? Yeah, it all it it almost feels like a slow a slow burn, but not ne- necessarily what you would think of as as a slow burn. It's more like in hindsight when I think about it, it's like yeah, it's a bit of a slow or slow build. Yeah, and in the first two episodes, there are a handful, a hand like two or three in total spooky jump scares. And they're yeah. the, well, like, and and you mm. didn't need the musical stinger, which is the worst part of the jump scare. The, well, yeah. Here's here's the thing, it does have jump scares. And look, as a horror fan, I hate, I don't hate jump scares. I hate cheap jump jump scares. I don't feel like the the jump scares in this are um cheap. Um, because- no, they're not birds. They're not. No, it's not. Yeah. Uh, you think the murderer is coming around and it's the girlfriend? It, you know, it's not. Is, it's none of those. It, yeah, it, yeah. Because that isn't. That's what you call the false scare, and that's cheap. Right. Um. Every time you're seeing spoil- something, mm-hmm. you're seeing something. Yes. Yes. Is it spoilery to describe one of the? Yeah. The let's jump, not. Jump let's not. As, as let's not describe it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But they're not. They're not cheap. I don't think. Um. Yeah. And one, the thing is thing that the say, pivoting shot to the the woman in the accident didn't need that hit. It didn't need that musical hit because the no, visual is, if well, anything, enough. I think that if there was no sound, it would be chilling. If the camera yeah, just exactly. pivoted and, and we see what he's looking at, it would you'd hold your breath. Exactly. You sort you sort of hit the nail on on the head because the music, the jump in the score. It's this. Oh yeah, you're you're watching a horror, and I'm like, I already know. Like, yeah. I don't need to be told that. But again, it's it's a nitpick. Yeah, it utterly irrelevant. Does uh, not matter. Here's yeah. the thing: the first two episodes are are beautifully shot. Uh, Zach Guilford's mm. performance as Riley oh, is Zach just Gilford. entrancing. He's he's very captivating. That's, mm. the and ca- I think I want to say terrific. too. All yeah, the whole cast. Hamish Linklater as uh, Father Paul. Absolutely incredible. There's not a weak link. Some somebody should drive to that man's house and just give him him an Emmy. I don't care about a nomination. Just give him a freaking Emmy. Like yeah. he just he encapsulates that character so well. But we'll get into that. Um, the the, the, the one thing I, I wanted to, to say about Riley going to a jail is the, or prison. On ordinarily, I would be bothered by the fact that we don't we don't spend any time with him in in, in prison at, at all. We see we, we see him in in the cell. We get the shot of him seeing the uh, girl, and then it cuts to on the island. Essentially, he's, he's he's I think it's four four years four years later. Um, and typically, I would be bothered by that. Like, I would have want want one to 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 have seen a bit of his, his experience in our jail, but. I think here I don't care because it's so not the point. Not the it, point. It, yeah, yeah. We are, like like we already know he spent four years in 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 jail and jail jail sucks. That that's yeah. All and to be there. clear, the the accident, the jail sequence, and him returning home is the first five minutes of the episode. Yeah, five minutes. Yeah, five, five minutes. It it doesn't waste any time. It doesn't drag drag its feet there. So, uh, at all. return to the small town, uh, Aaron Riley's old flame is now, uh, pregnant. We, who mm-hmm. the father is, we, uh, never get to see. Um, we yep. meet Anne Riley's mom, Bev, the town. Annie Riley's mom. 
Annie Riley's mom, Bev the town. A uh, crazy religious lady, <laughs> I guess. Um, we've, we've, we've talked about this before, and she's basically the crazy religious lady from... Is it the mist or the fog? I always get... I think it's the mist. Yeah, um, well, I'll get into that. Uh, that's one of my... Uh, talk about my handful of inconsequential complaints. Bev is one of my yeah. handful, uh, yeah. uh, which I will get into. But. I Yeah, same, but I... Yeah, we'll get into it. So anyway. as, as for the first two books, um, definitely a slow burn. But personally, I mean, wherever you uh, sort of end up falling, I have a very special fondness for, call them small and sweet, if vaguely backward, community stories. Uh, okay. you're, you're, well, it's been a quiet week in Lake Wobegon, my hometown. Mm-hmm. Garrison Keeler, um you know uh they're very prominent in Stephen King's stories there's always it's always a small town where something strange starts to happen and the kids the poster for this looks very Stephen Kingy Bev is a very Stephen Kingy character and I the think funny this thing is the- better than I'd have to do a side by side comparison this is deeper and more meaningful than any bit of Stephen King content I can think of beyond maybe the Shawshank yeah. Redemption which yeah. oh, I think is song. good because of Frank Darabont uh mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it it does feel like that. It really does. Um, yeah. And the funny thing about about that is, um, when when we see the shot in uh, Riley's room when he first gets back, his his bookshelf is lined with Stephen King books. So yeah, yeah there are a couple of. Re- I think there's a reference to there. the thing in there. I maybe think of Stranger Things. Um, the X Files no, is referenced in there. He's yeah, he's got a picture. Um, a movie poster of Seven. You know the Seven. Seven is referenced things. in there. Yeah. So there's a couple yeah. of visual references. Not all of those yeah. specifically connect, but mm-hmm. yeah, I just have a fondness for this uh, kind of story. I love the sheriff. Yeah. The sheriff is played by Raul Coley, ah, uh, who is yeah. the world's greatest Twitter follow, uh, by the way. Yeah, uh, that if man you don't is mind so a dirty mind. <laughs> so, so ent- oh yeah, he's very, very crass, but very, very en- entertaining and I have some stuff to say about him in the spoiler section. Here's his yeah. performance and, and whatnot. Um, well, before just, we get there, what do you think in, of uh, book one and two? Well, my my notes didn't save in the cart card here, so I'm working off my raw oh, yeah, notes. Okay. I don't know what happened there. I apologize. But um, one of the thing, things that stood out to me in uh, the first ep- episode is uh, Riley's dad, and um, who's played by Hen- Henry Thomas, who we know from um, E.T. He's the little boy in E.T., uh, Elliot in, in E.T. But um, the way he he is with, with Riley, he's very sort of standoffish and cold. And like, um, he there's a scene where he says goodnight and instead of giving him a hug, he just awkwardly like shakes his hand, hand and stuff. And that makes me feel so bad for Riley. Like, I get it though. Um, and just the whole... Um, his dad uh, getting weird with him um, in in terms of him like wanting him to, to go go to church is is essentially trying trying to force religion on him, telling him that he should go go to church. Oh, you've you've but, never you've never had religion forced upon you. you <laughs> I must mean, not... I live in a very secular country. So... I I do not. Uh, yeah. And I, I very Wait, very non secular. Mu- I very very much Seculars identify the... with the experience of. Yeah. Uh, Specifically on yeah, this trip too. I'm sure you uh, would. It's it, yeah. it's interesting. I mentioned my, the third time through, I was watching with my dad. My dad is very religious, um, mm-hmm. and I thought that that was an, a a really interesting acid test for 
the show and its treatment of its themes. So, I'm, and uh, this is before we send people away who haven't seen the show. Uh, my dad is very religious. He's Lutheran, um, reads the Bible every day, reads a different verse, a uh, different uh, uh, bit of the Bible every day. He's very studied. My dad is an academic and has kind of an academic approach to uh, the Bible and the study of it. And so watching it with him, he... Um, he re- enjoyed the show. He really enjoyed the show. We had wonderful discussions mm-hmm. of it. And he That's knew good. every passage that was used in it. The show leverages right. religion uh, very heavily yeah. in its I've, storytelling. Yeah. And, I uh, really wish that I was more um, academically familiar with the, the Bible so I could interpret the uh, titles and how they relate well, to the, the, one thing to, that he's, the episodes more. The one thing that he said is that... Um, well, I, I don't even want to say that because it's it's it may be a little okay. a little spoilery. We'll yeah. talk we'll talk about it later on. But yeah. I thought that that um, spoke to something that I th- you know devout. Uh, yeah, I'm. It, I know a lot of people that have had that experience. Yeah, enjoyed yeah. the story and its characters as well. Um, yeah. So yeah. Anything else I've, you want to um, say before we go to spoilers? Well, I also thought just that. Um, so, so Riley's dad, um, he wants him to go to a church, church, and he does, but he tells him to sit back and not take communion. And they're like, "What's the point of him being there then? You well, want him there just to pay lip service? I to mean, hear the to um, hear the good word, boy. You are yeah. you have not grown up in. I know, that's <laughs> the thing. My 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 mom was not re- religious religion was never put on me like it's just it's always been a thing that was just there and i didn't have to deal with like um, jack when i was 24 i told my dad uh for the first time that i was an atheist and he it's, it's almost like coming out as gay or something like I, I don't know oh no oh no see and he and yeah, he said um, he told me he said uh uh it's it's my fault I never. I, I should have taken what? you. Uh, I never got that's, you confirmed. I never. Yeah, yeah. That's insane to <laughs> it's, me. It's I, funny to me. Like, it just. I love that. Right. I love that. Yeah. I have that. How how that experience of the father and son in this is feels a yeah. little foreign to you, and to me it feels so it's, specific. That's the thing. <laughs> And that's why that's why it seems like it stood out to me more than it do, does you because you're like oh yeah of course that had uh, happened but um yeah yeah I I just like I know a lot of Americans and they all have have said to me yeah if you're in America you sort of avoid religion as as a topic because it gets tense really really quickly and I'm like religion and politics just don't, that's not the same here like I I would say that. Like it's almost like in America you expect people to be religious. Here, here it's the opposite. You you expect them to not be religious unless they say that they are. Like it's yeah, yeah. we have bubbles of secularism, but uh, mm-hmm. basically it's it's the the yeah. same dividing line it's always been. Yeah. Um. And just one last thing. So the opening hymn at the uh, church, they're singing a song called "Faith of Our Fathers," and I thought that was a nice little, little reference to what was going on with uh, Riley and his dad. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Well, before yeah. we before we send um, anyone away who hasn't watched it, the other aspect mm-hmm. of this is a new priest comes to town. Uh, oh yeah, and starts holding sermons, yeah. and strange things start to happen. That's as specific as yeah. I'm going to get with it, but uh, yeah. it is wonderful, oh. and you, you should go watch it. 
if you ever cared about any opinion that either Jack or I had, this is one of the mm, ones that you should care about. It's it's one of those things like if if you get Midnight Mass, you sort of get me as a person, <laughs> kind of. Like it's it's, it's um, one of those things that's very big for me. Yeah, yeah. And if you tend to avoid horror because of violence or scariness, I get it. Um, I I personally I, struggle with certain types of violence very much. This is mm. not one of those. Mm. And there are moments of punctuating violence. Specifically, um, there the final episode becomes is the yeah. most horror of all of them. Yes. And yes. there is one moment of punctuating violence before that. But you can mm. see it coming from a long yeah. ways away. Yeah. So I, I would I, mm. I I think that this because it's so rich emotionally and thematically, I think even yeah. if you're someone who is not into horror for those reasons, this one's the exception. Um Yeah. You I you know. Cover your eyes, horror, forge your ears. You can see the mm-hmm. moments coming most of yes, the time. Yes. Yeah. Look, horror and what is scary is a very sub subjective thing, but even though this is a horror, the horror is not the point. Um, so it doesn't spend too much time dwelling on it. Look, it 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 does build suspense and it does suspense very well, but it's not over, overly scary. And as Ian said, there's there's a couple of graphic scenes, but it's not over the top. It doesn't become a full blown gore fest. No. But yeah, so I think if if you don't like horror and, and you're sent sensitive to it, I get that. But I think there's so much more in this show to absorb and to get from it. So I think you should still give it a shot because yeah, in my mind, it's so much more. It's similar to saying I won't watch Buffy because I don't like horror. It's like, yes. well, yes. okay. Actually, that's the best way to put it. Really, that's uh, a really good yeah, way of putting it. Yeah, there's there there's a handful of scary things in Buffy, but Buffy yeah. is about the horror is the background for something mm-hmm. else that Buffy is doing, and that's the same thing going on. But we should move on. Yeah, this is your spoiler warning. Yeah. Past this point, warning, we're spoilers. not going to hide anything. Absolutely not. This is it. This is the spoiler warning. Click away. Don't ruin the show for yourself. Click away. Nope. Jack, are yep. they gone? I think they're, they're gone, Ian. I think it's, it's, clear. it's vampires. <laughs> it's vampires. It's vampires. A vampire. A vampire. So, um, that so doesn't do it justice, but that's what no, it is. No, no. We're, we're, we're skipping a whole bunch of stuff here. Well, um, you've, so uh, now we're going to chunk together episodes three through five. By the end of mm-hmm. episode three, you learn what's going on. So new thing. Yeah. So um, people are... Aging backwards. Yeah, uh, there's a miraculous scene where a disabled girl stands up and walks. Um, yeah, yeah. And there's a there's actually a wonderful visual tell as to to hint at where Flanagan was going with this. That's in book mm-hmm. two. Um, Riley's mom is wearing glasses and sewing, uh, mm-hmm. and she pricks her finger. I went and looked at mm-hmm. the scene. She pricks her finger. And she sucks the dab of blood off of her finger and then looks at her finger and it's blurry and she takes her glasses off and yep. she can see. And that's yep. that's like, hey, here's what's going on. They're being fed yeah. blood in the communion wine. 
Yes. And it's healing them. And I love yeah. that. Uh, there's so many little artistic um, flourishes like that throughout. That, that and none of it's visual storytelling. Yeah. 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 It's just yeah. like, here you are. Like here, yeah, here you yeah. are. If are you are you watching? It's like a magic you trick. It's so wonderfully done. You never feel like you're being beaten over the head with sub subtext or metaphor. Like it's just there. It's pre- presented. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. And and that said, um, since we're now into the spoiler section, again, exceptionally inconsequential uh, hmm. uh, complaints. I have like I cannot help it when you're making a twisty when it, when you're like oh a, a twisty twist I got a little twisty twist for your twist right mm-hmm. my brain loves a puzzle and I cannot help but sit there and try and figure out what's happening and one of the big things in this is um because everyone needs to de-age in order to tell the story the older characters in the story are have makeup to make them yeah. look older in the first yeah. couple of episodes. And it's, it's okay. It lo- it, it looks there's, a little, it's, it, it looks a little like stage makeup to me. There's only, there's only one that really stands, stands out to me though. And that's Mildred, uh, the old lady. Um, the <laughs> others are, are more subtle, but that's because they're taking like a 25 year old woman. Yeah. And turning her the, into like an 85 year old. The largest woman. gulf to cross. But, yeah. um, two of Whereas, the, uh, two of the characters um, were guest stars on one of my favorite. I don't like the term trash TV shows, but, uh, one of my I'm favorite sorry. trash TV shows, Castle, uh, okay. that I have watched a hundred times, uh, I, I love Nathan Fillion and Stan Akkadic. Two, The mayor and uh, Riley's mom were both guest stars on um, oh, okay. on Castle. So I'm very familiar with what those actors mm-hmm. uh, look like normally. So, it, yeah. but the problem, and this is one of the reasons why I enjoyed the rewatches more than I enjoyed the first watch. Because in the rewatches, my I just let all that go. My brain wasn't trying yeah. to figure out the twisty. What's the twist? Exactly. Um, and I picked up on things even this watch that I didn't get the last two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you watched it with me the first time. I did. I guess vampires. I don't I, think so. I guessed something. You, there was something close. You guessed. I think you guessed the Father Paul Mon- Monsignor Pruitt thing. Oh, I yeah. yeah, I, I, they, yeah. They, they were the same same person. So we're sort of jumping ahead here, but we're assuming that you've already yeah, seen if it. You, if, if you went us. past, you've, you've seen the whole show. Uh, so books yeah. three, four, and five, Proverbs, Lamentations, and Gospel. Uh, one and two are slow mm-hmm. burns. Three is the confession episode of the Father that ends with the reveal oh. of what's going on. And three is a catapult. (laughs) Yes, yes. I love the Father Paul Monsignor Pruitt reveal, the way it's constructed, how we cross between Father Paul in the confession booth, um, providing voiceover for the scene. And then we we get the shots of those beautiful wooden uh, carvings. Yeah. Um, de- depicting what he's talking about, and then we 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 cross dissolve over over to old John John Pruitt in 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 the desert. It's just a really pretty and well done done scene. I love it so much. And the monster, so he finds a cave in the desert in Israel, yeah. 
Uh, he's in, yeah, yeah. He's in Jerusalem, Jerusalem, and then he wanders out into the desert. And uh, there's a vampire in it who turns him so that he can leave the cave. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and he comes out. There's this young man who we first believe is is Father Paul. Yeah, um, and a part of it is that uh, Father Paul is suffering from dementia and believes mm-hmm. that. The vampire is an angel. Is an angel, yeah. And one one thing I do want to clarify is that Mike Flanagan has said that it is just a vampire. They think it's an an, an angel, but in in the fiction of the show, it's not actually meant to be an angel. It's just they they think it is. Yeah, and the cold that's, that's the the clarification. the cutaways to the monster are genuinely scary. Uh, oh yeah, you know yeah. the the scariest the, bits in the show. Yeah, the young priest is reflecting uh, on the story through the perspective of Father Paul's dementia, mm-hmm. seeing it yeah. as an angel and so forth. But the way Flanagan films it, he films it cold. That it is, it, yeah. it just it's a monster. Here's what's happening. Um, yeah. There's one yeah. shot where we see through Father Paul's eyes, and he sees a halo oh, over the angel's head. That's yeah. But the yeah. rest of the time, it's clearly represented. I thought visually that this is not yeah. an angel; it's a monster. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, I think it is pretty obvious that it's not meant to be an angel, but I think it's an important clarification to make. So the 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 reveal is the first bit that blew my mind. It's kind of hard to to project back now, but I don't think that I've ever seen the 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 tro- tropes is the wrong word, but sort of the mythology of Christ and mm-hmm. the angels and all of that layered over the top of vampire horror. Um, that, it, you know, every once in a while it, it, that may have happened, but I have, it, I didn't see it. And every once in a while you, I, I feel like we get to come upon something that is completely new and unique. And even though this is mm-hmm. a show loaded with sort of tropes, small town tropes and all of that, mm-hmm. that whole tapestry is what we were describing of the body, the blood live forever, immortality, all of that as a a double layer between religion and vampire horror was awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, just so clever. It's so clever right, to, to right, stitch the yeah. two of those together in the way that he did. Yeah. Well, I actually watched an interview with, with Mike Flanagan last night, and I'm, I, I, I'm paraphrasing here, but uh, the interviewer asked him, about um, stitch, stitching together these two things that are like in, in most pe- people's minds are diametrically opposed to each, to each other. Re- religion, which which is often considered to be this pure thing, this like positive, happy, bright thing, and and horror essentially. And Mike Flanagan was like, well, in in so many ways, um, horror is woven into the fabric of uh, religion. You you Scary read stories. the book of Rev- yeah, you read the book of Revelations. It's all about monsters coming out of the ocean and winged creatures coming and ripping you apart. Like 
there is a lot of horrific stuff that happens in the um in the bible the plagues um the book of job like it is it's almost essential to the bible especially like the old the old testament old old testament god was a scary vengeful angry person Yeah. yeah yeah and so to so that was something i was um going to to bring up so uh one thing my dad specifically commented on which he's never seen uh, a piece of fiction like this where it was so layered with religion with religious te- specific um texts from yeah. the book uh all of that and he was struck by how good a job they did of finding verses that fit the context and to the point where they felt mm-hmm. a little cherry picked to sort of represent, but that also plays into the theme of evangelism and um, uh, manipulation of the religious leader, which we'll get into later on. Um, but yeah, it, it is so dense with, you know, he's yeah. obviously studied. Flanagan is obviously steeped and studied in um, yeah, they Catholic clearly text know what they for this about. storytelling. Yeah and finds wonderful ways of stitching the way in which a priest like this might misinterpret what's happening right, as right, yeah, uh, yeah. an act and of God. Believable. Yeah. And you can, yeah. like, e- even as, as an atheist, I could totally un- understand why they were buying it. Like, absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we get the first um, quote-unquote miracle in that uh, a paralyzed girl stands up. Um she and oh, that whole the Joe and Lisa thing. Uh, sorry, I'm getting muddled here. Um, yeah, yeah, it's okay. This is a tough discussion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. So, um, there is there there is another character by the name of Joe Joe Colley who is an alcoholic, and sometime in the past he was messing around with a gun. Uh, the gun went off and hit this teenage girl in the spine. And uh, she 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 became paralyzed, um, and then through drinking the blood of the the vampire, unknowingly drinking the blood of the va- vampire, there's this really awkward scene where they're in they're in mass, and Father Paul, I think they're doing a communion thing, the thing with the crowd. They're wonderfully it's awkward. It's not this. Yes. It's not this theatrically. Yeah. Whatever. It is. No. Chunky and him forcing Gen- the situation on genuinely uncomfortable yeah. um he's he's standing there with the with the with the cracker then he's like come on like stand up essentially takes a step back and she wheel wheels forward and he's like nope and he walks up a couple of steps yeah and, and everybody's like understandably like horrified how like, what dare are you, you doing yeah yeah like what are you doing and then she stands up and walks up the steps and takes the uh cracker and as as, as a disabled person that really like reminded me i've i've had religious pain people approach me and do their whole in the name of jesus you are healed like all this really crazy stuff i had this drunk woman in a bar once just just kind of like stand up you can do it god said said you can stand up i'm like like the, the moral of the story is don't be weird tend to say people <laughs> leave us alone okay that's uh um that's a good lesson <laughs> Yeah, but um, that scene is so awkward and so crazy, and um, yeah, yeah. Um, but well, then, yep. Go ahead. And then, um, later on, we get this scene where Lisa, the girl who was paralyzed and is is now walk walking, 
Um, she goes to uh, Joe Joe Colley's house, and we get for me what is one of the most powerful scenes in in the series. And I, I want to give um, a proper mention to Inara Simone, who plays Lisa, and Robert Longstreet, who plays Joe. Um, don't get me wrong, the dialogue and the writing in, in the scene is top tier, but but the performances really really carry it. She um, she 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 goes to it to 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 his house, and she starts off by saying how she she uh, hates him. She I, I think she specifically says says it. He reached through due time and stole from the from stole her future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, um, but she says, "I forgive you, Joe Colley." Um, and she said, um, "She says, I think she says the only thing that was standing in my way was hatred, but the only thing that that's standing in your way is, is yourself, because he's a full blown alcoholic. He's, um, yeah, he's he, he's ruining he's ru- ruining his 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 life through 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 al- alcohol. And um, but their dynamic to me is one of the most in- interesting in the show because like." I genuinely feel for both of them because I understand where both of them are coming from. Like Joe's drunken stray bullet paralyzed Lisa, and like she says in in in, in the scene, he stole from 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 her. And I don't think anyone in their right mind can blame her for hating Joe. Of course she would, absolutely, of course. But then on on the other side, there is Joe, and I feel for him and how tra- tragic of the character he he is because he's. He's consumed by his, his guilt and he's so far down inside of it that he's basically drinking himself to, to, to death. And I almost feel as though he hates himself more than Lisa does in a way. Um, so to have Lisa forgive him, not only for his sake, but for her own sake is so incredibly powerful to me. Yeah. It is a... It, I mean, the scene gets me, period. Like, uh, the scene absolutely uh, gets me. One of the criticisms uh, that I've heard levied against the show is that it's very monologue-y. Mm. Um, there are, and there are a lot of monologues, but uh, who cares? Um, yeah. the, the, it's such a weird criticism. They don't talk it like because- real people. Uh, yeah, stories are yeah. constructed. You know, she, uh, Romeo and Juliet don't talk like teenagers. Who cares? Is the story effective? Did you feel something, right? The weird thing for me is that I know people who speak in monologues, so, like, yeah. it didn't bother me. <laughs> like, I know people who talk like that. Yeah, yeah. That, for some reason, there's something about that scene that that sticks with me. Like, in, in a negative way. And I don't know exactly mm-hmm. what it is. Um okay. Uh, I, I, I don't subscribe to the idea that the show is too monologue but there is something off for me about that sequence. I love what you had to say about it, though. That's a perspective, I think, mm-hmm. that I don't bring mm-hmm. to that, that scene specifically. Mm-hmm. And I think that their performances are terrific. I, I love what is written and what they have to say, and yet something about it doesn't play for me. And I there's that's one fair. other that's, that's there's one other fair. monologue in the story that we're going to talk about, and I know exactly oh, why yeah. it doesn't play for me, but I don't <laughs> okay, fully understand okay. uh, that one. Um, so one of the things I wanted to, to say, and I sort of touched on before, um, so the show deals with two, two, two big themes in the show, religion and alcoholism is another big uh, theme. And 
I said before that I don't see the show as an indictment of uh, re- religion. Um, because ult- ultimately, I think um, the show draws um, a similar con- con- conclusion about our religion that it does as um as 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 it does with alcohol um this is a little bit further ahead in the show but in the first um aa meeting father paul says to riley alcohol isn't good or bad not on itself it's people yeah um a drink is just a drink you know we use it for ceremony ritual and celebration and under the right circumstances for most people it can be used to enhance a mood and for most people it's fine in moderation and and i think the show draws the same conclusion about religion um religion for the most part um for people who practice can provide comfort and purpose and yeah and i think that's enhance one's life that's the the perspective that aaron is there to represent aaron is yeah so getting into right. Lamentation, uh, episode four, Lamentation is, well, I think four and five are my two favorite episodes of the show. Okay. Uh, lamentation, a lamentation is a passionate expression of grief or sorrow, is mm-hmm. uh, what a lamentation is. And one of the consequences of de-aging is Aaron loses the baby. And this episode is where i fell in love with the show specifically the conversation between uh riley and aaron where they talk about what do you believe happens after death and she says no not about me about my child my daughter yeah and talks about uh, tells this one i'm i it's so funny i feel (laughs) i feel the weepies just barely grazing the edge of what she said like in my imagination i haven't said anything yet yeah. and i'm still like <gasps> i know <laughs> you know that um that scene man it's one of my most favorite scenes in all the fiction it's gorgeous and, in and sense of the word she talks about uh aaron's speech about her daughter in heaven and uh she talks about how her daughter's life saved her life okay so there's a there's a wonderful a dynamic I think being set up here. So that's that's one of them. But I want to read an excerpt from what Riley says because I mean talk about yeah, all the art, the it's... artistic flourishes, the structural artistic flourishes that are in this show. Uh, he says, and the electricity disperses from my. This is Riley talking about what happens, what's going to happen when he dies, and the electricity disperses from my brain till it's dead just dead tissue meat oblivion and all of the other little things that make me up they the microbes and bacterium and billion other little things that live on my eyelashes in my hair and in my mouth and on my skin and in my gut and everywhere else they just keep on living and eating eating me and i'm serving a purpose i'm feeding life and riley's arc up until this episode he uh in there i think it's the first scene between he and aaron aaron says how are you doing no no how are you doing and he talks about how he has no purpose his life no longer has Mm. purpose because Mm. after he's killed a person what does anything he do mean Mm. what how does his life have meaning after an event like that has occurred and the idea that 
tied into that, that his death has purpose. Right, right, right. It's right. not only it sort of makes me... incredible foreshadowing, but also yeah. speaks to his character in a way that I think is just gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. It um it it sort of makes me think of um you know, um some religious people and I guess some people in interested in philosophy, they they often ask, why are we uh, here? Um thinking that there needs to be some philosophical reason as to why we are here the meaning of life so so to speak but um whenever people bring up that that i always just think of well there is a reason in in terms of cause and effect you know life spawned and mm. here he, he, here we are but, but but a philosophical reason i don't know and that's sort of what um rather rather is sort of talk, talking about there sort of um but for him yeah. to talk about he will then have purpose in feed, in things feeding upon him. Mm. In the episode yeah. where he goes and gets eaten by the vampire. Oh, yeah. Holy is shit. so mind-blowing structurally to me. Yeah. The way that sequence foreshadows how the episode ends as he gets fed on by a yeah. parasite. By a right, by a right. predator, a literal parasite, and yeah. has purpose. And yeah. twice he uses his death, or rather, then he, he uses his death to yeah. save everyone. He also finds he also finds a purpose in that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that comes in the episode after. I I, I think, but it's still that's episode that's, that's episode still, six. But, but the thing I love that is that scene. But that scene follows follows directly after him being eaten. So Aaron's being- Aaron's child used its life to save Aaron. Riley uses his death to save Aaron. Yeah, yeah. Which is, uh, and it's all set up yeah. in that conversation between the two of them. Yeah. Him him taking the rowboat out, which we'll get more into in a minute. Yeah. Uh, the- to, and using his death to convince her to save herself. Mm-hmm. And Aaron's daughter, her life, convinced Aaron to save herself. It's yeah. just structurally, it just blows my mind, Jack. It's yeah. so pretty. It's so pretty. Yeah, the the writing is amazing, um, and the performances elevate it so much. But b- before so before we get that, before we get to the end of the episode, so they have this conversation where they talk about uh, death and they talk about all of that, mm-hmm. and then it, it cuts to something going on with the priest, and when we cut back to Riley. He's shot in a portrait. He's laying in bed, and the camera is in a portrait perspective, the way it has been the entire time when he uh, yeah. is haunted by the uh, the the vision of the woman he killed. And the camera yeah. opens in the portrait perspective as he's laying in bed, and he opens his eyes and sees Aaron. Yeah. Yeah. And what that means oh. in terms of visual storytelling, it's, it's not... Just- it's not heavy-handed. It's not given away. It's all the way the character is framed in two different yeah. scenes is so gorgeous. Like their intimacy yeah. and the relationship and her love is keeping the darkness right. at bay, and yeah. and you don't have to say anything. It just is no. shown in no. the way the shot is framed. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I've been I've been through the show three three times now, as I said. Um, 
And this particular watch through hit differently this time, especially that scene we were just talking talking about when they talk talk about death. Um, I lost a friend very suddenly and very tra- tra- tragically these uh, past two to two weeks. Um, he, my friend. Um, long story short, he had a biking accident. Um, was in a coma for a little while, um, but he had no brain activity. He was brain dead, so um, they had to switch off his life support. And so um, that scene, I, I mean, the past two two times I saw the shot made made me weepy, but this time it I bawled my freaking eyes out. Like I full I, I, on I ugly cried. cry. <laughs> I I I paused. I had to pause. I I was yeah. It was ugly. Um. But it's funny how just how the timing worked out this time that this show was exactly what I needed in in this moment and um, and just again the the show is now even more special special to me yeah. like it 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 means more to me the more I see it but uh, yeah that's some something I wanted to mention and uh, rest in peace Lewis yeah again I think that the the juxtap again we, we're constantly talking about the Flanaganism of it. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, and we're coming up on the scene that I thought specifically encapsulated it, but the juxtaposition of extreme sentimentality, which I think is mm-hmm. has almost has a pejorative uh, or, or a negative connotation, but I I don't yeah, mean it, it that way. Uh, no. I mean um, the, the you know the this sort of rich emotional, evocative uh, storytelling and horror, right? And that scene with Riley talking in this intimate, beautiful conversation was really well acted. Those those two did a terrific mm-hmm. job in that scene. Mm-hmm. Talking about death and the intimacy between the two of them and her talking about her daughter. Followed by Riley yeah, getting eaten by a, a, by a vampire. Mm. And yet it works, right? And yet it, it works. works. It, 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 it works. And it shouldn't work, but it does. Right. And... I think it works because of how it is handled. And I just really feel like everybody who worked on this show did it with such a love and, and a passion because it really shows. Yeah. Um, one event, inf- this- one event informs the other one, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that yeah. things can be both ugly and beautiful, but they, those, those don't negate each other. Like there is beautiful, yeah. ugly and there, you know, um, and then book five, I don't know how we break this down. Book five, uh, gospel, we see what happened to Riley. Uh, he and Father mm. Paul, Father Paul turns him. Uh, mm-hmm. Riley wakes up on the floor. They have a conversation. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. So that scene where Riley wakes up on the floor and Father Paul is standing over, over him, we get a shot look, looking up at Father Paul and we see the vampire glow in his eyes. Yeah. Riley is now a vampire and he he can see it in Father Paul. I love that. Yeah. That's it's the, beautiful. The vampire stuff is, other than the main vampires, really subtle and really interesting like that. And the two of them yeah. have a conversation. The episode is constructed in a way that's slightly more complex. Mm-hmm. I'm simplifying the construction for our discussion. Um, yeah, the two of them have a discussion about guilt. Father Paul mm-hmm. tells a story about a, a pet mouse that uh, to reveal right. to Riley who he, he is. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he starts it by saying like Riley's like we're having a meeting, and then he's like, no, this is the meeting, right? 
Father yeah. Paul uh, lets him go. Riley goes and asks Aaron to go out on the boat. On the boat, <laughs> I'm grossly oversimplifying. He explains to Aaron yeah. uh, what's happening, tells her to run, and to prove that he's telling the truth, he yeah. uh, waits until the sun comes up. And as the sun rises over the horizon and he opens his eyes, he sees pristine and healed in front of him. The girl. The girl that yeah. he hit with his car. Yeah. So and it is throughout this the series. Shockingly emotional, yeah. beautiful we, yeah. moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. So as we said, throughout the, the series, he sees this, this girl and she's all mangled and bloodied and bits of glass sticking in her, her uh, face. And then on the uh, boat, just as he's about to, to die, he closes his, his eyes he sees her sitting there and she's fine. She's beautiful. The sun's glowing on, on, on her. She reaches out, takes his hand and they stand, stand up throughout the whole series. She was a manifestation of his, his guilt. But in that moment on the boat, when he sees her and she, she's fine, that was Riley forgiving himself. And that is just, I almost, I like, <laughs> I feel, I feel it welling up yeah. inside of me right yeah. now. Yeah, Ian. I, like, I do too. It and is, and oh God, in this so beautiful. gorgeous, I mean, this is the most memorable. This is a scene I will remember from something until I die. In this mm. gorgeous moment that has built organically and and is so well earned from his mm. nightmares and his his visions of the woman that he killed, from the opening mm. scene of the episode to this point where mm. he sees a vision of her healed and takes his hand we yeah cold cut to aaron wailing in terror screaming. in the boat yeah. Scr- yeah. harrowing yeah. screams well, in the boat as mm-hmm. riley's corpse burns in flames in front of her and falls to, to ash, ash in the boat yeah. it is yeah. <laughs> but um I mean, you and I sat I also, there, you had seen it before, and you and I sat there just like, yeah. and you tried to say something, like, and I was like, uh-uh, hold on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's not often I see you speechless, but you were speechless in that moment. Speechless. Like, um, it, and, it, it, oh. A moment that pairs those two things together, and I don't know if it should or it shouldn't work, mm-hmm. but it works. Yeah. I mean, it I is harrowing how... and gorgeous. Ah, sorry, yeah. I'm I'm taken up again in the the, the. No, that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, no, I feel it too. I I, it's welling up inside of me. Um, I also love how the meeting, the final meeting, uh, between uh, Father Paul and Riley, and how that scene are stitched t- together because Riley gets eaten eaten by the vamp- vampire, and then the next we see him. He's on Aaron's doorstep, and yeah. then we do a bit of a jump back in time to to the uh, meeting, um, and be- because of that, I mean, and and it's very in in intentionally done, but we don't really know what Riley is going. Yeah, to you don't know if he's do. good or bad. We, yeah, 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 yeah. So in that in the boat leading up to that moment i was terrified i thought maybe he was gonna like jump her and try and bite her or whatever but then as soon as he says 
no, I brought you here so I I would have nowhere to go. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. oh no. Yeah, there's a hanging oh, question no. in the show that applies to vampires that also applies to religion. Like it's another one of the parallels. And the question is, does being turned make you evil? Right. So it's and different. Riley's dad talks about that later on. It's different yeah. in every representation of vampires right in buffy the soul being the conscience the conscience leaves the body mm-hmm. so you are pure hedonism and uh just pure selfishness manifested and you're an apex predator that eats people right so whatever evil is um the, that looks like evil but i'm sure you know mm-hmm. lion's behavior looks like evil to an antelope Right. Uh, right. Exactly. But the exactly. but but the stories that um, Buffy tells, you know, um, you have to decide. Like, is evil a force? Is evil a magical force that compels things from the monsters mm-hmm. in the show, or not? Or is it apex predator lion behavior? And in this show, yeah. there's a question, and the the conversation between Father Paul and Riley in the church, or rather, uh, when when he's turned Riley and they have the meeting. Yeah, the final meeting. is yeah, pretty significant. Meeting. Father Paul says, um, what do you think, what do you feel when you think of uh, the car accident? And he said, and it's revealed Riley and, feels and how, guilt. And he's jealous because yeah. Father Paul doesn't feel any guilt. Feel, yeah, because um, we skipped over, over this, but Father Paul inadvertently kills Joe yeah. and, and, and feeds on his blood. And yeah. Father Paul... Uh, associates that with religion but we as the audience are also left to wonder um is that being a vampire that uh mm. uh removes guilt from your system and then that mm. question is left to hang when riley goes and sees aaron and then right. in the boat it's clear that yeah. it does not there's a hunger not, as an yeah. apex predator yeah. but it doesn't compel yeah. you to do one thing or another yeah yeah just um Skipping ahead a little bit for that, for to to speak speak on that uh, point, um, there's a, there's a scene in the last episode where um Riley's parents are reunited and they've both been turned into uh, vampires and Ed Riley's dad, wonderful p- performance by ha- Henry Thomas, but he talks about how he thought the hunger would be uncontrollable, uncon- c- but that wasn't the case. It doesn't change they have who you this are. Hunger. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and to me, that is a metaphor of sorts, again, relating to the alcoholism and, and, and substance yeah. abuse. Yeah, that, yeah. that relates to alcoholism. Were you going to touch on that? Did I that, catch you No, no, that relates to alcoholism and that relates to religion as well. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. You might feel the intense urge to uh, drink and get drunk, but no matter how strong the urge is, it can be con- con- controlled. We aren't slaves to our, our our urges. We always have a choice. Yeah. We have a choice. We don't have a good choice, but we have a good choice. That scene, I think I rocked Father Paul the most. Uh, mm-hmm. the, this, this rewatch. The other thing that stuck out to me that is so subtle but I think is overwhelmingly speaks to Father Paul's character is the mouse story. Um, I hadn't thought yeah. about it until watching this with my religious dad, but there's a pretty significant detail about uh, his character. So Riley, he t- the way he reveals to Riley who he is, is he tells a story about when Riley was a small boy 
trapped a mouse, injured it, brought it to Father Paul, and asked him to resurrect it. And Father Paul said, come back in three days. And when Riley came back in three days, the mouse was healed and he walked off. And Father Paul, in the conversation with adult Riley, says, of course, I had to put it out of its misery and go and find a mouse that looked just like it. But look at the faith you had. That Look at that. That encouraged it's like, your... It, it's like the 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 right thing through the wrong means. I don't know. Like yeah, I'm, I'm that doing that is there. not what faith is. No. That no, is hucksterism, no. right? Exactly, yeah. Uh, and it speaks to the father's broken character that creates mm-hmm. his individual humanity. This is why we say we talk about not, this isn't, an indictment of religion any more than it is an indictment of alcohol it is Mm. a it is showing the extremes of both it yeah like i hadn't Mm -hmm. well no i hadn't thought about what was latent in father's paul's character until this third time through and Mm -hmm. i thought about that's kind of some bs him Mm -hmm. faking the resurrection of a mouse yeah for yeah, a small it's, child, it's because he needs yeah. the child to believe that it's hard. It's straight up manipulation. It's lying. It is lying. That's it's not lying. what faith is, it's, right? It's it's as you said, it's hucksterism because he's he's tricking a child into believing something based on false false pretenses. Yeah, um, yeah. And later, yeah. Uh, the, later in the next episode, uh, he's talking about. Um, a trip he took as a young man and standing in front of a waterfall. And he says he, he thought about that waterfall. And if every drop of water in that waterfall is death, is a death. Every drop of water in that waterfall mm-hmm. is an individual dying. And he talks about the roar of the waterfall and how it deafened mm-hmm. everything around him. You couldn't hear the, the trees or the animals or the plants. And he thought about every death uh, that's occurring on earth. And in every death, every death, was a drop in that waterfall coming over, then that's what it must be like for God. Every moment of every hour and of every day, a deluge of death. And if that's what it's like for God, how can he hear my whispered prayers? Right? Oh, it's so, and so, it's so gorgeous. And, and that combined with the mouse story and the idea of bringing the mouse back from the dead, which he did for the priests in the town... He old yeah. Father Paul was gone, and he revealed a young Father Paul for the town, but it was a lie. The mouse is a is a is 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 a repetition of what he does for the town right. to give them faith, and he lies to them and feeds them, saying this is God, and it's not God. It's you know uh, a monster uh, yeah. on earth. It's him. It's his individual character uh, that drives the whole thing now i mentioned um Mm -hmm. inconsequential complaints it's him and it's bev bev is a first of all the actress who's uh plays bev her performance is friggin spectacular uh samantha samantha sloyan she's amazing the uh the seeing things without saying them character mm-hmm. the oh yeah so is that what you're going to do her, she her does facial that expressions her body language yes she's so good her, it, yeah. essentially every one of her lines has two meanings 
Everything mm. she says has two meanings. There is the line that she speaks. Especially when she's talking to Sheriff as well. Yeah, yeah. there is the line that she speaks, and there is the the truth that she plays. And that is yeah. a fantastic balancing act that she does. I am just so sick of that trope. Uh, Bev yeah. is... The performance is deeply nuanced and wonderful, yep. but Bev's character is not. Um, the, uh, and, and that okay. is unlike every other character in the show who has more of a backstory and a life and all of that. Bev is there to create conflict and to drive the plot of the story. Well, yeah, I... With one thing, though, she, insanely tiny exception, and I'll, I'll tell you that in a moment, but go say what you're going to so, say. She, I think she still serves an important narrative function. Um, and you pretty much just, just said, said that too, but I don't think you could remove her from the show and um, give those functions to Father Paul, for for example, because they're too dark. Because he, we haven't t- touched on this yet, yet, yet but he, he gets a bit of a, I, I don't know if you could call it a, a redemption, but at the end he learns the errors, the the, the error to his way, ways and what. Well, I, I don't need and that necessarily. I, what I want mm-hmm. is I want to feel something other than hatred for it. Like every uh, my relationship yeah. to every other oh, yeah, character, you absolutely hate her. There's yeah. nuance to my relationship yeah. with every other character except her. She is one dimensional, yeah. you know, and and it didn't need she to be is, that yeah. way. If you I mean. Uh, the, the the thing I want to say is the one exception that I think is mm-hmm. brilliant is uh, we're getting the the um the last two episodes. Uh, mm-hmm. Another complaint is that episode six probably didn't need to happen. However, in episode seven, there's a massacre in the church. Everyone turns into vampires, and Bev hides in the back in the vestibule. Yeah, in the vestibule. She. Oh, she it's hides. so good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she's scared. She's scared. Um And I wanted more of that. Like mm. that is nuance, but that's the only nuance well, that you really get with Bev in the story. Is I just wanted more of she poisons the pastor. She poisons the dog. These are yeah. extremely important events in the story. Why did yeah. she poison the pastor? Uh, you know, did she, is it cuz she yeah, needed proof? Yeah, that's not very clear. Yeah. 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 Um, because he, she thought he was an invader and that's whatever and that's it may never be confronted. That's never brought up. Like it's never. Well, I, I, I think if I had to suss it out, she needed proof of miracles. And if the father could rise, then she knew it was a miracle. Yeah. So she poisoned right. him right. and he rose. Yeah. And then she was moved by the miracles of what, uh, she mm. was actually seeing. This but is- what made her this way? What, uh, it, what, uh, does she why how does a person like that believe that they're good well it's some it's, it's fanatical religion well i do love um one of my favorite uh little nuances with with bev and i'm not even sure if you can call the nuance but right at the very end as the sun is coming up everybody is resigned to their fate they 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 accept it she spends her last moment's digging, trying yeah, to cover herself in dirt. I forgot about dirt. that one. That's the other one. Her I, digging I to really hell. I really like that. Yeah. I really like that. Like, like, like she's still hanging on to, to the very end. Yeah. It's not that um, Flanagan didn't come up with satisfying moments for the character. The Her hiding in yeah. the back of the church and her yeah. trying to dig to hell are satisfying yeah. conclusions for that character. 
Um, yeah. I'm just tired of that trope. Like we said, that yeah. that's the the lady in the mist that casts people yeah. out into the the darkness. You know, it's a yeah. it's a, the I maybe you need it in a in a story like this, but um, yeah, I'm not. That's why I'm saying don't also, take away. Just no. you know, yeah, blur blur yeah. it up a little bit. I, Make her a little more blurry instead of so distinctly yeah. that. I also I do love the scene where Annie, um, um, Riley's mom confronts her and gives her the uh, whole "God doesn't love love you Gorgeous. more than anyone else" speech. That Annie and is you such can a see badass. It gets to to her. Samantha Sloyan has this subtlety with her face that just it drops, but not completely. You you can tell it's really getting on. Yeah, the murders are happening, and she's like. It's funny, the climax, that episode, is the most Buffy of all of the episodes. Once everyone's a vampire, oh. it, it, yeah. it, it it doesn't become Buffy. But that's, that, like, the fact that there are humorous moments in the midst yeah. of horror is so Buffy. Yeah. Right? That moment yeah. of God, well, God doesn't love you, and she goes, wow, I don't know why we have to be so mean. In the midst of all yes. this murder and mayhem... Yeah. Yeah, is is yeah. Is, um, is very is very just, buffy, and I just love how she keeps digging. She, she's just like, "Why does that bother you so much?" And she talks about Riley and 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 Joe, I think. And um, but on the topic of Buffy, okay, sure, I am convinced Mike Flanagan is a Buffy fan, and if I am wrong, I will eat my own head. <laughs> I am positive, and I think there are a lot of homages to Buffy in this show. Okay, not not play plagiarism, not ripoffs. Um, homages okay riley's name is riley flynn <laughs> riley flynn okay i forgot about that one yeah but okay riley's death scene on the boat it's amends it's amends but he lets the sun come up i mean yeah very similar yeah right and also in the in the final midnight mass when they're um um aaron and dr sarah gunning and Mil- mildred are sitting there and father paul's giving his big big speech they're almost sitting there like in grad- graduation day going like Hurry, oh oh my god he's gonna do the whole speech like yeah and i'm i'm sure there's more but i am so i i'm positive he he's a buffy fan yeah I'm riley sure finn and riley flynn are that's so way too close close and and this delves into a lot of themes that Buffy plays with too. Um, um, forgiveness, guilt. Um, well, I think that yeah, that they're both very thematically driven, and they're both mm-hmm. so related to horror that even if they were and both character driven pieces, yeah, if they weren't intended to be homage, there would be a ton of overlap. A- uh, you know, from two yeah. thoughtful creators. Yeah, but that's uh, yeah. three through five. You want to take us to six and seven? Yeah. Well, can I just quick, quick, quick sure. to say about um, the final uh, AA meeting, the meeting as Father Paul calls it, you sort of touched on it, but like he's in that scene, he has this very villainous air, air about him. And then, yeah, we start digging in, in into Riley's guilt and, you know, we talk talk about how Father Paul doesn't feel guilt for killing Joe and Riley, Riley's jealous. And then... Um, Father Paul talk, talks about courage and having the courage to let go and, and and to forgive oneself, and he has completely different motives. But I think in in that moment, the the, the, the conversation really got through to Riley, um, and and um, he 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 actually asks him, "Do you feel at peace?" And Riley says says yes. And I think it was 
in that moment, Riley decided what he was going to, to do. And that's why he was at peace. He had found his purpose. Um, he had not given himself over to a higher power, but a higher purpose. He had given himself over to a higher version of himself. And um, I, again, I love yeah. that getting back to the conversation he and Aaron had, he made his death have purpose. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah. And on the topic of his, his death too, is we get lots, um, there's, there's lots of flashes to the boat scene throughout the series. And Riley talked about, it's a dream that he has where, where, where he's on this boat and that, and then the sun come, come, comes up. And I just sort of love the idea. Like he even says, I'm not making it off this Island, but, but you are like, it's almost like he knew what was going to happen. He deep down, he knew it. And, <laughs> I love you, Mike Flanagan, so much. <laughs> anyway, sorry, sorry. I just had to, yeah. No, no, good stuff. <sighs> okay, well, so the ending, yeah. The last two books um, is uh, Acts of the Apostles, I think, and Revelations. Um, so, and according to... Hmm? Episode 5, Acts of the Apostles, uh, I would call oh, the table-setting episode. Or no, episode yes, 6, yes. Acts of the Apostles. Yep is the table setting episode for episode seven. And I think it suffers yeah. from table setting issues, but uh, yeah. uh, go ahead. Well, according to IMDB, a fervent Bev calls for faith on the night of Easter vigil. And Sarah reveals the results of a troubling experiment along with a sobering theory. Um, that's one thing I do love is that the show also tries to offer a scientific, reali realistic explanation as to what is going on. All sides are represented here. And I love that. I, yeah. I think that's really, really cool. Um, the only thing then, I struggle yeah, with uh, is we already know, right? Yes, there are a number of true, scenes true. where well, characters are have long explanations to each other about what's going on. Right. And we already right. know. And here, the biggest yeah. thing that episode six suffers from is how unbelievably compelling the episode, the end of episode five is. Mm -hmm. Like I said, the end of episode five is something that I will remember on my deathbed. It is a yes. It is a a, a moment, a pinnacle moment of in my life of fiction, right? Mm -hmm. um, there's the the end of a river runs through it. There's yeah. uh, and, live for me. Uh, you know the Buffy yeah. says like all of the the um, uh, I have been and always shall be your friend. Like there are mm -hmm. pinnacle emotional mm -hmm. moments in fiction for me, and that's one of them. And then you have people talking about science in episode six. Yeah, that's fair. When like that's fair, yeah. Five felt like it lit a fuse. Like it's like, okay, the the thing's about to explode. And there are so many moments in five yeah. or in six that do not respect the gravity of that tone that was established yeah. with, with the end yeah. of five. Mm -hmm. Sorry. I, um, Sorry. Also, um, <laughs> I just want to touch, touch on two. Um, I agree. Riley's death scene, one of, one of the most amazing scenes in all the fiction. Um, so good. And 
that was that was because i i watched the show before you you did a friend of mine told me to watch it and i was like oh my god i i have to show ian and <laughs> that scene was one of the reasons why and i remember sitting there watching it with you and i'm like staring at your cab going <laughs> oh my god oh my god oh my god and um this is some of that's yeah. some of my favorite sharing with friends is uh, yeah moments like because you don't get yeah. you get a handful of those in your life right mm-hmm. yeah those are so yeah. special you get a right. handful of those and the the chance mm-hmm. to share those with friends like you know yeah. uh is is so special i love it yeah um and uh meanwhile night falls on crockett island as the tight-knit group of, re- of rebels take refuge where they can and forge a plan to control the chaos unfolding that's the imdb of uh book seven uh revelations um one thing again um i just want to talk about father paul for for a second hamish linklater his performance he embodies that character so freaking well um he has this warmth and butteriness to it to his voice that to me fits a priest perfectly um and he just has this calming aura about him too like for the most part when when he's doing doing his priest thing um so yeah i just want to give a special mention to hamish link later but i loved in in at at the start of this episode he knew riley was gone he sensed it he just knew yeah i i thought that was a nice little uh detail um and then yeah um another thing that stood out to me is uh when uh riley's dad finds the uh letters um that uh riley left everybody uh he he takes the letters and he goes to uh speak speak to father paul to uh, see if he knows where uh, riley is and in that moment riley's dad sort of warms up to him and he's he um like like comes around so to speak to, to riley but obviously it's too 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 late which is uh tragic but he says um I just never, I could never do it with him. It's, it's like we spoke different languages and I, I did my best. Which <laughs> yeah, I is caught the that last, this time too. The last, and I only noticed that this watch, but it's the last thing Riley says as he dies. And I'm like, okay, I forgive Riley's dad for everything because that moment is fucking beautiful. And I love Riley's note. Remember that you are dust and from dust you will return. And to dust we shall return. Yes, yes. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so five setup six the s hits the f uh everyone yes. goes to church turns into vampires uh the rebels burn down the church bev sets the whole town on fire da- damning ever dooming everyone and the sun comes up and, and oh. off we go <laughs> sorry hey hey it's it's public domain so i can sing it <laughs> yeah yeah uh, yeah, yeah right. I um, mentioned, uh, and this is my final, I think this is my final, uh, inconsequential complaint, uh, sheriff's monologue. I've seen a lot uh, of complaints. The 9-11 one? I, I've seen a lot of complaints about that monologue, uh, when looking through reviews and I think they miss, I think, I think there's an issue, but I think that the complaints that I've read miss what the, the problem is. And I think it's a problem that's just the issue with six, which is like shocking, powerful ending to five pieces mm-hmm. moving for six to get to seven, which is the climax that, you know, people were whatever. And to have a six or seven minute is what it feels like. I don't know exactly what it is, 
monologue about events that aren't occurring on the island that have only to do yeah, with this that, one well, character and his backstory. That were 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah. is such a pause button on, yeah, okay. again, which is the the problem with that episode, is such a pause button on, and it sucks because Rahul Kohli is spectacular. I love the sheriff's character. We haven't character. talked about sheriff, sheriff yet. He he was amazing. Yeah, amazing. We, I mean, we um, can't. We just can't get to everything in this kind of discussion. I so know. we're trying to hit our, I, our I best really points. I really want to. But that, like, yeah, that that speech is a wonderful speech. And again, I love the depth adding to the characters. I just think that it occurs at the wrong point in the show. Okay. I think. Yeah, if that came earlier, would have been a little more. Yeah, yeah. so um, Riley gets eaten, and then uh, Aaron is running around the island trying to find him and comes to the sheriff and tries to get the sheriff to look into the church, right? Mm-hmm. And he then that occurs. Then you have the boat sequence with Riley and Aaron. Then Riley mm-hmm. dies, and it's out of the way of that. Pow- it the is. power it feels of like that a sequence. departure. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like a departure from, from the main line. Just yeah. put it somewhere earlier in the sequence. Yeah. Uh, again, yeah. I don't, I'm not, none of my complaints are about taking away. It's just it, like. And that's the thing. Like, none of our complaints really matter either. They don't ruin the no, show. No, no. It, 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 it doesn't hurt at all. These are just nitpicks. Yeah. yeah. Um, Rahul Kohli talks about Midnight Mass a Midnight Mass a lot on Twitter. Um, he's very very proud of it. Un, un, understandably, yeah, he should um, be. He was terrific. Yeah, but uh, he he talks about how he took the role very seriously and wanted to do it justice. He wanted to rep- represent the Muslim p- perspective fairly and as as authentically as possible. And so they actually spent. A lot of time with the Muslim consultant on on set to make sure they are uh, got, got got it right, and I really do appreciate that. I just wish we got to see more of that. Um, again, it's not it's not something that necessarily matters. It doesn't hurt the show, but I would have liked more. Yeah, even it's funny too. Even doing an American accent, uh, Ro Coley is so flipping charismatic. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he is. He How, is. How's my night going to go, Joe? That guy could read the dictionary and not just be like, yeah, yeah. keep reading, Daddy. Like, yeah, and, and, and I don't know. Maybe it's... and, and He's also... I, maybe I have a little crush on Ro Coley. He's also like the, <laughs> the, the like the most liquid, sexy star type of uh, most of the cast. Absolutely. <laughs> Hands down. Like Zach Guilford, too. But Zach Guilford's more of like a... A baby cute. He He's has like more cute. of the yeah, the like some forty one uh, like yeah, skater face, skater yeah. boy dark inner darkness yeah. thing, which is perfect for the yeah. character. You yes, know, uh, yes, yes. Raul's playing you know uh, a a big beardy sheriff walking around in denim, and that maybe that's yeah. slightly against <laughs> type, but he who cares because he does a wonderful job with Absolutely. it. Absolutely, I I did um, get the feeling yeah. every once in a while that that um. Mike Flanagan wrote that part because he wanted Raul Coley to be in the show because they're friends. Absolutely. Well, they've worked together before too. Yeah. I think um, Raul Coley was in Hill House. Was was I think he? so? I yeah, think he was. So I mean, yeah. to that degree, you know, there there is a small part of me that felt like the sheriff could have been better, in, uh, like 
But to also the sheriff's better integrated. I the think. sheriff's inability to integrate into the community is part of the sheriff's story. Well, it's part of the arc of that character. Thing. Right. See, my favorite thing about that that character in 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 general is he is really the most dignified and the most balanced and measured character in the show. Like. Um, er- early in the se- series, that scene in the classroom where um, yes, where they're, he- they're talking about Bev- Beverly handing out Christian doctrine to the um, students. I think that's what uh, had uh, happened, and he's very calm and measured about it. He's not. It's not against. He he's not. He's never in opposition to Christianity or the faith itself. Um, yeah, he's. He he always approaches everything with the dignity and respect for himself and his faith, but also those around him and their faith, faith too. He really is the best person on on the island. I'm just gonna say it. He's yeah, he's, he's the best yeah. person. He's also yeah, he's the smartest guy in the room most of the time. Yeah, and uh, uh, yeah, he has the 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 most balanced perspective, and to some degree, yeah. not living on the island hasn't. For uh, for as long as everyone else hasn't corrupted him hmm. with sort of right, the right. the the mildew uh, mm-hmm. of spirit that has hit everyone else with the oil spill and uh, people yeah. leaving and and all of that um, yeah yeah and then the sun comes up yeah, and then the sun comes up yeah um, I have not watched yeah, the hauntings I, yet I need to and I think we should watch them together uh, okay. I've I've seen Hill House, but I haven't seen Blind Blind Manor. I've been meaning to. So yeah, let's do do, do that. Absolutely. Then we can talk about it here. Um, I don't know how we put a yeah, bow on this one. <laughs> I don't know either. But um, yeah, I just loved I loved Rahul Kohli's uh, performance. I loved just just how they handled the Muslim perspective and just how he really was the most rational person out of all of them. Um, and I think that is a fair representation of Islam because is Islam in modern culture gets a bad, a bad rap for a lot of reasons. And I also think that, that the use of it or rather the, the positioning of it in the story speaks to that Mm -hmm. the show is not trying to be anti-religious. No, it's it's not. It's talking about these sort of different addictions in the human spirit and uh exactly uh and and that's that's one of the things that his character brings to it yeah yeah because i'm I'm, i mean from a an academic standpoint or a non-religious standpoint the the belief is is that we came up with religions as a way to explain things because we always want to know why we always need reasons to things and that's why we used to attribute um lightning to a god rain to a god flood to a god drought to a god like there was always had to be a reason a reason for it and that's where that comes from i think um yeah um where do we go to next ian (laughs) would you say where do we go from here oh god (laughs) where do we go yeah, uh, go um, watch it if you have not watched it, and you. Yeah. Uh, I think eventually I'll be writing something for the channel about it. Jack wants to write about it as well. It's amazing. Yeah, go watch um, it. Yeah, I give it um, twelve stars out of five stars. I, I give it a. I love it, and <laughs> I want to marry it in some way, and 
I want to rub it all over. No, that's getting weird. I don't think we can um, get any better than that. Why don't we go to the reading? Yeah. Well, hang on. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, I have some final go, notes. Go ahead. Yeah, and I've got. I I don't feel like we're done here. Well, I'm oh, not done. Oh yeah. Okay. Um. No, sorry. Um. <laughs> we jumped jumped ahead a bit here. Um, uh, you had me at rub it all over yourself. <laughs> I. I wanted to talk about the final uh, church scene where uh, the vampire enters the uh, church and everything. That whole erupting into a chaos. That scene to me still gets my heart racing. It is so intense, so freaking scary. And Genuinely the way it plays out is just yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, ever everybody starts vamping out and attacking each other um and it's very reminiscent of like you know the jonestown ma- ma- massacre religious cult dr- drinking the yeah they're away. deliberately playing on that iconography yeah 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 um and then yeah we get that scene as you touch touched on where um bev hi- hides in 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 the vestibule um and I love that scene where, um, like, Aaron's there, the the gang are there with her, and she's she's like, "When when are you gonna shoot shoot me? So I'm gonna bite but bite you five more, more minutes, and then boom, she we shoots her." Like, yeah, we we have five five minutes. I'm sorry, that was just so freaking satisfying. Um, yeah, there are a number. That whole sequence yeah. contains uh, a handful of just just badass moments and yes uh, yes yes that's one of them um, uh riley's mom stabbing herself to bait to give yes. everyone time to flee is a badass moment yeah uh yeah, yeah wonderful stuff and then um yeah father paul gets shot in the head but then when he wakes up he's all that's when his regret sets in he realizes what's happened um he says to Mildred, he says, did I hurt you? And she says, yes. And it's like, oh, dude. But then, yeah, we get the revelation that Father Paul is Sarah's father. Um, and that uh, he he says that he brought the angel back to Crocodile Island to save Mildred because he, he didn't want to, like, he didn't want her to get old and die. And um, it's so tragic, but also beautiful in a messed up way, which, again, sums up Mike Flanagan's work. Yeah. I, I don't know. And the constant um, juxtaposition of those two. Yeah, and then then that scene right at the end, because um, yeah, Sarah Sarah gets shot, and obviously they're both heart heartbroken. Then they scoop scoop her up and take her to her favorite spot on the island. Um, he rips off his collar and throws it because he says, um, oh, what does he say? Because he gives her this speech about um how. Even if he could go, like, like if he could go going back, he would have taken taken off his collar just to be being with Mildred and being with Sarah and be a family. Um, I love that so she then, says I couldn't ruin three lives. That's it. Yeah. yeah, I I did. I thought I had the line writ written down, but I don't think I do. Um, but it's just beautiful. And yeah, they they go to Sarah's favorite place on the island, where. Um, where when she was a kid he 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 takes takes off his collar and um yeah what does he say he says something um oh no he says um will you forgive me and then she kisses him and the sun comes up and they burn <laughs> and it's just uh, sorry i had to talk about that oh, um, but yeah um i guess we can move on to final comments shall we sure. um yeah, uh, I think I've covered everything. I uh, I have. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, 
Okay, okay. Oh, yeah, you have. Sorry. Um, One little um detail I liked is when um Lisa and the other little boy, they're trying to get off uh, the island. She takes Joe's gun off his wall to, to protect them. Yeah, that was interesting. I thought, I, I wondered where they I were going to... that was cool. Where they were going to go with it, because it ends up she doesn't need the gun. And then the gun gets reclaimed. Mm-hmm. I, I love the setup yeah. of her seeing that earlier in the Forgive Joe scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just wondered what they were trying to say with it. Because she doesn't do anything with the gun and it gets taken back by someone else. And maybe yeah. that's the point. I'm just unclear what the... I I just I just liked the idea of her taking... Yeah, taking Joe's sort of taking ownership I, of yeah, her own trauma yeah. in that um, sequence. Also, um, it was a very deliberate choice to not ha- have the characters use the word, um, sorry, vamp- vampire throughout the uh, show. Mike Flanagan said that it would have been like winking at the audience, and we didn't need that. Yeah, and- I think with these kinds of stories, you, uh, my dad and I were talking about it. It's like The Walking Dead, right? You have to decide in your they universe zombie, yeah. whether zombie stories existed before this one, or if mm-hmm. this is the first one. And uh, is this Dracula? You know, and The Walking Dead is the first zombie story according to its own universe. This yes, is the yes, first yes. vampire the George story. George Romero films don't don't exist. Right. And yeah. yeah, this is the first vampire story according to its mm-hmm. own universe. Yeah, which is yeah, interesting. So... It's just something you, as the viewer, have to. It's neither here nor there. I realized it doesn't mean anything as the viewer. Uh, no, you just have to uh, understand that that's the universe that you're inside of. Because it is a question, but ultimately yeah. I realized it's an irrelevant question to... It is, yeah. And I can understand, like if I said, what is a vampire? Like drag Dracula? Yeah. It would be like them looking at the uh, kit camera and winking at us. And that, that cheapens the, the narrative, I think. Um yeah, this is also uh, my favorite use of the song Nero My God to Thee, uh, which is a song that was made very, very famous by J- James Cameron's ti- Titanic. It was a song that played um, as the ship was sinking, and it's featured several times uh, in, in the show, most no- notably at the end, they sing it. But um, the an instrumental version is, is also heard when Riley and Aaron are talking about death. Um and I'm I love that song ever since uh, Titanic, even though it's a very religious song. I just I, I just think it's a very pretty song. And so the first time I saw it, I, I hear dun dun, and I'm like, wait, is that near my God to <laughs> to the? And I wasn't sure because it's played at a very slow tem- tempo. But then once once I realized what what it was, it just it just added to it. <laughs> and I love it so much. As the ship so was much. sinking, and so was the town. Yes, yes, it's gorgeous. My favorite favorite use of the song, um, and just lastly, uh, the beach scene from book two is a wanna, which I think was really really cool. Um, yeah, it's an interesting use of a wanna because most of the time it's used for like like an action scene or something cool, but this it 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 made that scene feel like a three D space that was alive. It it, it just added to, to my my immersion and. I, I, I wanted to, to mention it sim- simply because one is a cool, but also it, it, it was just a way. I've never seen a one like that 
to be honest. Um, There's a lot of CG cool. in that shot with the birds and uh, and the cats. I think all 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 the seagulls are CG. I think, and maybe that was a way of, of mitigating that. Um, oh yeah, where uh, you know you get the sense of. You know, because it has a cataclysmic feeling to it. You know, uh, the a locusts yeah. kind of thing. Whenever nature uh, yeah. interrupts like that, it's a mm-hmm. harbinger of something. And so, to right. to spend a lot of time in that, as you said, in that three dimensional space with mm-hmm. the locusts, or in this case, the seagulls, um, uh, yeah. created a really strong sense of foreboding. Yeah, that maybe would have been different like if you just cut. Yeah. 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 Um but yeah and and look just just again on the music the score was written by the Newton brothers and has has a very specific style that I think really uplifts it like there was a heavy re- religious theme too but I don't know just I'm just going to freaking say it man Midnight Mass is a masterpiece it just is mm. it, it is and I love it it's great and yeah <laughs> I I think I I think when Are you, when, when, are when you good? Done. I could <laughs> I, I could talk for a few more hours, yeah. but we probably shouldn't go do, on, oh, do that. We should go watch the show again. All right, let's go to yes. <laughs> the final reading. Here is Gone by Terry Boda. This is epilogue part two, and this is it. So I just wanted to say thanks to uh, everyone who's followed along and to Terry Boda. If you ever see this or um, listen to it, uh, it's been a ton of fun. So, um, you know, shoot us a message to say hello. It'd be nice. And I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> he closed his eyes and took a deep breath. When he opened them again, his vision was blurry. He could make out the distinct image of Dawn looking down at him. The teen's face came into better focus a few minutes later. Dawn gasped when she saw his eyes were open. Buffy! Buffy, Spike's awake, Dawn called, practically leaping up from her seat on the edge of the couch and running for her sister. While he waited for Buffy to arrive on the scene, he took the opportunity to take stock of his surroundings. He was indeed on the Summers' couch, and he did appear to be badly wounded. However, he wasn't in any serious pain. In fact, he was quite numb. Wickers work some powerful mojo on me, if they're blocking the kind of injuries Joyce said I had. Buffy came into view, hands damp from the kitchen, and William stirred inside him at the sight of her. How shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Thou art more lovely and more temperate, his soul mentally whispered. No, no sonnets, no bloody Shakespeare. Well, sleeping not so beauty finally awakens. Took you long enough. It's only been five days, the slayer told him, coming to sit beside him on the couch. Five bloody days, he thought, and his face must have given him away. You heard me. Five days. Willow was planning to go in and drag you out if you didn't wake up soon. She shrugged and went on. I suppose a good part of that was the knockout drugs we'd given you. But still, you've you've been dead weight on the couch. We were considering just tossing some cushions over you, and substituting you as furniture so we could watch Geraldo. He heard himself laugh and felt his lips move. Buffy's nose crinkled up at him. Buffy's nose crinkled up, and she shied 
a little bit. Okay, your burns are even grosser when you try to smile, she said. He creased his brow, wondering how bad it really was if the sight of him disturbed even the slayer. I'd bring you to a mirror, but, well, there's no, there's that no reflection thing, and I am so not wasting any film on you, just so you can see how gross and oozing you are, acid burns, and you, not, not a good combination. He managed a tiny shrug, and the movement dislodged something near his face. Buffy immediately moved to pick it up, and he saw it was a plastic tube that he hadn't noticed was resting against his mouth. We've been tube-feeding you, she explained, holding up the reddened plastic. He nodded that he understood. It was easier. We didn't have to wake you, and I doubt you could have sat up to feed yourself anyway. Just think, though, you look 200% better today than you did five days ago. He moved his limbs experimentally and found that he could move, albeit he felt as if he was swimming through tar to do so. He tried to sit up, but Buffy put a firm hand on his chest and pushed him back down. Oh, no. You're not getting up until you go get the go-ahead from Dr. Willow, she told him. He settled back against the couch cushions and looked up at her. She looked tired and worn. She was alive. She was alive. She smelled of sunlight and vanilla and all the scents he associated with her. And he was just so happy. Surprised by joy, impatient as the wind, William supplied. Words, wordsmith now, what happened to Shakespeare? Oh, never say that I was false of heart, though absence seemed my flame to qualify. <laughs> Pansy, bloody sonnet 108. But you knew it, didn't you? He growled mentally and sought to shove the soul back into its box so he could look at Buffy undisturbed. It didn't work. She walks in beauty like the night of cloudless climes and starry skies, and all that's best of dark and bright meet in her aspect and her eyes. Ah, shut up! But we always loved Byron. Bollocks! If that wanker hadn't already been dead by the time Drew sired me, I would have made it a moral imperative to eat him. Are you in pain? Buffy asked suddenly, probably misreading the looks on his face as he argued with his soul. He shook his head. And a moment later, he was surprised when Buffy took his hand. He gave her a confused look, but she lowered her eyes. Willow and Giles, they told me everything, she admitted softly. I admit it was a little hard to swallow at first, you know. The whole coming back in time to save me from dying thing seemed a bit far-fetched. He gave a mirthless laugh. Then Giles showed me, then Giles showed me a journal you'd written in, and it detailed everything. Even stuff I know you couldn't know about because I never told you about it. He squeezed her hand comfortingly. They, they also told me you had a soul. Tara confirmed it and you wrote about it in your journal. She paused as if gathering her thoughts and the hand that held his tightened slightly. This is really hard, she finally said. I mean, it, Angel loved me. I know he loved me and I loved him. More than anything in the world. But I can't imagine him doing for me what you've done. She swallowed hard and he saw the telltale glimmer of tears brimming in her eyes. And he wished desperately to be able to speak. Buh. Buff. He croaked through ruined lips. Don't try to talk. You'll only open your burns and 
go all gross and oozy again. God, I wish I knew how Mom got all the blood out of everything all the time. At the memory of Joyce, she hung her head. Mom. You're really trying to save Mom. She looked at him, tears falling. I'm sorry you couldn't. He lifted one hand to cuff her, cup her cheek, using his thumb to brush a tear away, and tried to tell her everything in his heart with his eyes alone. You did so much. I beat you down for it every chance I could. Even in the other timeline, it was obvious I used and beat you just to make myself feel better. But instead of dumping me like anyone else would, you just let me? You stayed and suffered through everything I did to you. Let me not, to the marriage of true minds, admit impediments. Love is not love which alters when, al when it alteration finds, or bends with the remover to remove. Oh no, it was ever fixed. It, was, it is a never fixed mark that looks upon tempests and is never shaken. It is the star to every wandering bark, whose worth's unknown, although his height be taken. Love's not time's fool, though rosy lips and cheeks within his bending sickle's compass come. Love alters not with his brief hours and weeks, but bears it out even to the edge of doom. If this be error, and upon me proved, I never writ nor no man ever loved, William recited. He sent nothing in response to the sonnet. In truth, it cut far too close to the heart of things, and he couldn't face it, not with Buffy opening to him in ways that he never thought he would ever see her open. And when we'd both been pushed away, way past our limits, and both did horrible, unforgivable things to each other, you went to earn back your soul? You went looking for someone to give you a soul? She emphasized. Do you think Angelus would have come to get a soul for me? Angel without his soul hated me and tried to kill me and all my friends, but you. She trailed off, and he once again cursed his inability to speak. What you did for me, and for Dawn, that, she continued, then stopped again. He squeezed her hand. Look, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen now, and my guess is neither do you, she finally said. I guess it's up to us now to make a different future. Hopefully one that isn't as screwed up as the one you lived through. He gave her a nod and what he hoped was a look of encouragement. I do know that I will stop using you as my convenient punching bag, and I'll try not to automatically assume the worst of you. Anything else that happens between us will have to happen on its own. That's all I can promise you. It was more than he'd ever hoped to hear from her lips, and he almost started to cry again. Don't start crying. You'll move your jaw and crack open your burns again, and I'd kiss you on the cheek right now, but you smell really gross. He let himself laugh silently at her attempt to break the heaviness that had settled on them. I'm going to go get the others. Dawn and Willow wanted to see you right away, but I made them promise to wait in the kitchen till I had a chance to talk to you by myself. I'd better go tell them the coast is clear before they batter down the door. You hope to see others? He nodded, and she smiled at him. 
Okay, I'll go get the horde. She released his hand and stood, but their fingers lingered together, pulling apart at the last possible moment as she headed to the kitchen door. How do I love thee? Let me count the ways, William began, but he cut him off with his own verse. And death shall have no dominion. Dead men naked they shall be one, with the man in the wind and the west moon. When the bones are picked clean and the clean bones gone, they shall have stars at elbow and foot. Though they go mad, they shall be sane. Though they sink through the sea, they shall rise again. Though lovers be lost, love shall not, and death shall have no dominion. There was a stunned silence across the link between them. Then William sent, I'm not familiar with that one. Dylan Thomas. He was after your time. Blighter couldn't write, Blighter could write circles around your pathetic Elizabeth Barrett Browning. And exactly what would you know? That if you had no use for this worthless drivel, as you so eloquently put it. He didn't answer. There was no sense in rising to his soul's bait. They were stuck with each other, after all. And he needed to maintain some semblance of his former bad self. And then dawn was bounding in, and she was reaching out to touch part of him that wasn't injured, her hands gentle and tender. Willow and Tara followed, his wickers who believed in him and had given him their faith and strength, two more who made up his little family, the ones who chose him and in turn were chosen by him to be closer to him than any other blood kin ever had been. Buffy came, came again at last, standing with one shoulder against the door frame, giving the others time to fuss and jostle over him. She was watching them scrabble and jockey for position next to him, and he saw her face crack into a wide smile as she laughed. Her laughter was music, and the sight of her a miracle he could not have hoped to witness. Their eyes met, and in spite of all his wounds and burns, he felt more whole than he had ever felt in all his long years. He had finally come home. And death shall have no dominion. Bloody damn right. Jack! Mm-hmm. We made it at the last time. Uh, but this time it's for real. Yeah, no, the end of the reading. Yeah, the reading is done, and I think we're going to shelve it for now. We'll see. For now, we'll think uh, about it. That was 47 recordings that I started wow. uh, over a year ago. It's it's just funny because every time we say we're going to do something or we're not going to do something, we end up doing it anyway. Yeah. I don't know. So um, we'll see. I actually I recorded the the final one yesterday, and I actually felt something. I felt a little like ah, okay. Ah, ah. Um. So Aww. I just wanted to say thank you to Terry. I've never heard from yes. Terry. I found Terry's story no. on a website. Yeah. I don't know if Terry knows who uh, we are or uh, who the um, channel is. You have a standing invitation to come on the show whenever you you want, though, Terry. If, if you stumble upon this, yeah, the story get, uh, was get, posted on fanfiction.net in two thousand and two, um, and I oh, fa- wow. yeah, and I found it by before season seven aired. It was uh, oh. sh- uh, I guess she had watched two th- uh, season six, and this was the response to season six. 
But um, I really enjoyed it. If you're out there and ever hear this, um, I hope you felt like we did it some justice. But um, I think, yeah, um, for now, we're going to sort of rethink the fanfic section and put it on hold. Uh, Jack, what do you have coming up Mm -hmm. this week? Uh, well, Ian, this Saturday or Sunday morning, for those of you closer to my neck, neck of the the woods, uh, Ian and I will be rewatching The Gift live on stream. The Gift, we we got to season five, I'll, man. I'll like, bring the, yeah, we're we done. Holy five. cow, we're done with season five. <laughs> I know. We get to talk about season six next. Oh! <laughs> I'm I'm so excited. Sexy, um, sad season six. <laughs> sexy sad that's 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 the best way to sum up yeah. season sexy six, sad, sad season six yeah um but then after that we'll be joining in the hangout discussion with uh patrons from the five dollar and up tier to talk about the episode uh the stream of that discussion is free to all both the rewatch stream and the discussion are linked down in the description so go and click the bell notification and join us and come and hang out um and um as uh the patreon is also linked down down there so if you'd actually like to join in the the discussion about the uh, gift head on over to is it patreon.com forward slash patch of the nerd yes link in the description yes and come and join us uh ian what about you sir what what are you up to well um i'm sorry i got excited because we we're still doing this thing where we're rolling the topic of the next uh yes episode in this one yeah, um, and this is completely not staged. Where we're doing it, yeah. Right I have no, we have no so. idea what we're going to talk about next. We're uh, about to pick no. it out. Um, and if you want to suggest things for us to talk about, uh, leave a comment down below. Or uh, yeah, if you're uh, watching the YouTube version, if you're listening, tweet uh, me or Jack. I'm at Ian Nitram. Jack, what's your handle? I am at lack of surprise one. That's all one word with the number one at the end. And we decided this last time we're actually going to open it up. So we added uh, Angel After the Fall. and So we keep a list of mm-hmm. items that we, we're going to select randomly from. Usually, sometimes there's going to be a thing that we decide we want to watch uh, yeah. that we're just yeah. going to watch. But we've opened it up now where we added Buffy Season 8 and Angel After the Fall. To the list yep. we've also added a couple of suggestions from uh viewers and listeners and whatnot. you left us some suggestions the last time those are now in the list um yep and some of the items on the list like supernatural which how do we talk about supernatural um, there's 14 seasons probably what uh, we'll do is we'll talk about season one a uh, friend of the show aaron smith requested the the paddington films which is going to be I've heard interesting they're wonderful <laughs> i i hear they are too i haven't seen them but yeah, hey I if we land that let's um, but so uh, we've added reading. Uh, I've been asked about my opinion for Buffy season eight for years, and I've never finished it. And I figure this is the carrot to finish it, or the stick, depending on the point of view. So, yeah. um, but other than that, I have been making semi regular appearances with uh, Ian Carlos over on the Slayer ninety eight podcast. Uh, this week was our discussion of one of my favorite season one episodes of angel somnambulist with hawk pyre and um the discussion that i had with ian claire and zach actually kind of unlocked uh what my take is going to be with reprise um if you're looking for a preview of the next episode guide uh links to that podcast are in the description jack shall we let's do it ian i'm I'm ready 
Uh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm nervous. I'm nervous. Okay. So so am I. But... There are 27 items on the list. Mm-hmm. I'm picking the random number now. <laughs> it is 26 yellow jackets. Oh! Yellow Jackets is going to be an interesting one. I, I only put that one on, on the list like yesterday too. That's... All right. Now, okay. uh, it's not next week. It's whenever really we like finish it. Yellow Jackets is when we're talking yes. about Yellow Jackets in yeah. the next podcast episode. I, from memory, so there's only one season. I, I mean, we're only doing one season per... Um, conversation. E- episode. Yeah, yeah com- conversation. But I'm pretty sure it's like 12 episodes or something. So not too long, but... Yeah, yeah. We'll see. yeah. This is one of the be going to be one of the reasons why we're not weekly is because uh, mm-hmm. it's going to take what it takes to to watch all the also, things. It's kind of another horror e one, not not like straight up horror, but it's 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 kind of it's kind of like a scary version of Lost in a way. I don't know, but yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get to that. Well, we're looking forward to it. I put um mm-hmm. uh new the uh podcast of the nerds. Uh, shirts, pillows, and all of that stuff back up on yeah. the Teespring store. That's linked in the description. Some of them are. I'm get some swag. I need to get some myself, actually, because. Uh, Me too. We're going to. Yeah. We're just uh, Liz yeah. sent us two designs that are just friggin' spectacular. And yeah. uh, so <laughs> there's a. We put the design on a pair of uh, yoga pants. And, <laughs> and you know, there's. You on the back, and then there's yeah. me on the front, and it just happens that I'm the way uh, Liz drew me. I'm like I have my tongue out looking for a drink. Yeah, like so. Like we're just gonna move on. Uh, if you want to buy yeah. a pair of yoga pants or <laughs> a shirt, I, I want a pair of yo- yoga I want, pants. Yeah, I want, I want a pair of yoga pants. Uh, links down in the description. <laughs> uh, it supports the show. Let's Jack and I eat. Uh, incredibly helpful. Mm-hmm. If you'd like to join the Patreon yeah. discussion down there as well, you already know our Twitter handles. Twiddle. Our Twiddle handles. <laughs> uh, I'm YouTube.com slash Passion of the Nerd. Well, Jack and I both are, and that's it. Yeah. All right. Th- thanks, friends. We'll see you next time with Yellow Jackets. Thank you, my friends. Bye.